Mo Facts with Adam Curry for November 11th, 2021. This is episode number 70. It's going to be a doozy. I'm Adam Curry coming to you from the heart of Texas Hill Country. Time once again to spin the wheel of topics from here to Northern Virginia. Please say hello to my friend on the other end, Mr. Mo Facts. How you doing, Adam? I am doing good, Mo. How about yourself? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see about the end of this show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. By the no, way, thank, no, thank you for choosing this this track. I love this. This is so good. One of the greatest beats ever in hip hop history. And I remember it. I was around when this was happening. That was uh, outside Unitel Video. It's crazy on the street shooting videos. And, and one of the best videos. Yeah. Definitely. Of all time history. Definitely. Uh, definitely. Well, how's everything going? Yeah, everything's been going real well, man. I saw you had uh, you did your live uh, on uh, last Wednesday. How'd that go? Everything cool? Mm-hmm. Everything it. went great. Lost tapes. If no, if people don't know, uh, the alternate Wednesdays when a show doesn't drop, come on by the YouTube channel and uh, you can find us at eight o'clock on Wednesdays. Do the lost tape, and that's the interactive newsletter for the show here. Yeah, and it's uh, it's definitely something you want to check out if you want to dive even deeper than the show goes. It's uh, yeah, we, get, we got a little a little <laughs> I, far. I, I tuned in, and you were doing the whole Magic Johnson thing. I'm like, okay, this is deeper than we even went on Magic Johnson. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like, okay, okay. The perspective was great. Uh, so I know today is going to be a fun show. Are we ready to to whip her around? Yeah, please. The wheel of topics round and round it goes where it stops nobody knows well of course mo knows because he finally was able to sink his uh, one note and now he knows what the topic is the topic for episode number 70 of mo facts with adam curry is i chose to be unvaccinated and that was my choice oh yeah baby this is why it's a big one this is why it's a big <laughs> yep. one all right this is uh what are we doing vaccine mandates the mandate yes, business we, yeah we're, we're, okay. we're going to talk about the mandates uh what's going on how it's impacting people including myself uh gingerbread uh mo uh <laughs> ginger wait a minute what i don't know this gingerbread what's the gingerbread part about i don't know what this is like the gingerbread man, you got you run and you dip and you duck and you dive and ah! dive and <laughs> right gingerbread man is uh he might get eaten he might it looks uh, it's the jury still out literally so um we got to talk about it mandates i know a lot of people i've i can't remember what show it was but i've said previously on a couple occasions that i'm not taking a shot mm-hmm. uh it's my personal decision and as we see this has ramifications <laughs> for uh having a uh personal decision so what i want to go do today is talk about What's going on in the news? Why I think uh, we we when I say we people that uh, are re- refusing from taking a shot, uh, I don't like that term anti-vax because it's not true. It's not no, I, I I like to say I I am not ready to accept the vaccine into my life. I, I like that, <laughs> <laughs> but let, let let me put it up front. What what we need to do is redefine the conversation from pro-vax anti-vax to pro-choice anti-choice because you have a lot of people that have taken the vaccine that are supportive of people that don't want to take the vaccine mm-hmm. so i don't oh, want sure. them to di- i don't want them to divide people on whether you took the shot or not it's whether you think a person has a choice to take the shot or not which is which is really what we're seeing a lot of now with um, many of the walkouts and protests within corporations it's not just people who don't want uh, 
this vaccine, it's people who support their free right to choice who may have been vaxxed uh, already. Well, it's a couple of different things in there. Uh, we'll talk about it as it goes along, but it's my choice today. It might be your choice tomorrow. But what I'm liking is, as you said, I see people sticking together uh, on this topic and not be divided by the media narrative. So that's what we're going to get into is the media narrative going on. And the best way to do that is get into clip number two. This is vaccine mandate battle heats up. Today, the Biden administration put out new details on the vaccine mandate for private employers. Under the new rules released by OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, companies with 100 or more employees will have to ensure their workforce is fully vaccinated by January the 4th. Unvaccinated workers who opt out of the requirement will have to get tested every single week and wear a mask in the workplace. The White House says this mandate will cover 84 million workers nationwide. Today, the nation's top health experts testified on the Hill about the importance of taking this step. Here's how Dr. Anthony Fauci explained it. Let me just explain very briefly. We know that vaccines absolutely save lives. And we know that mandates work. If you look at, for example, the percentage of people in United Airlines or in the Houston Medical Association or in other organizations that have mandated, it works 99 plus percent, for example, with United Airlines. So if you take the fact that mandates work and vaccines absolutely save lives, the answer to your question is yes, it does save lives. It seems like sound logic, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh huh. So, so this term mandates work. Yeah. You mean if uh, forcing people works? Yeah. Yeah, I guess if you force what, what them works, enough. Work, when you hear that statement, what are you hearing? I don't want to. I don't want to lead the witness. Yeah. No. When I hear <laughs> mandates work, that means whatever horrible thing we came up with, which. Uh, threatened all kinds of stuff for people individually and as groups works yeah if the government puts the boot on your face and says you won't be able to eat unless you take this it works that's what i hear right but what a lot of people hear is mandates works mean it's actually helping the covid situation Oh, okay. Yeah, they, I, yeah, I didn't hear that. Yeah, obviously. Right. Yeah. But if you just listen and passing like mandates work, mm-hmm. uh, you're thinking, well, okay, it must be helping the COVID situation, and not that's not what Fauci's saying, right? And that and that's backed up, of course, by all kinds of jamokes around uh, government saying, well, you know, the inflation won't end until everyone's vaccinated. You know, it's like COVID won't end until the whole world's vaccinated. So, sure, yeah, I can see how people are very confused. Right, because if you say mandates work, what he's actually saying is firing people can get you to a hundred percent vaccinated for your job or your place of employment. Yeah, that's what he's saying. That's why he said ninety nine point nine percent. Yep, ninety nine point nine percent means what? That means okay, we only have one tenth of a percent of people that were allowed. <laughs> Which is, uh, <laughs> it's the same 99% that uh, that are going to be healthy, that will never have a problem with COVID. But okay, I digress. Right, right. They flipped yeah, it, so just, just flipped the script. Yeah, they make it seem, oh yeah, you know, 99% works. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it gets rid of the people that you don't want there. That's that's what that's they're the saying. Idea. So mm-hmm. just these number games that we have to talk about. Um, and we're going to, we may hear that a couple more times throughout the show. So I just wanted to point that out to you at first. Um, 
So I guess we can go ahead and get into clip number three. It seems like sound logic, right? Well, not to Republican lawmakers. Senator Mike Braun of Indiana is teaming up with 40 GOP senators to try and use congressional, the Congressional Review Act to block Biden's mandate. Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs introduced legislation that would get rid of OSHA altogether. And at the state level, a whole bunch of Republican lawmakers are suing. One of them is Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves. He called the mandates one of the most shocking attacks on personal liberty we have seen in this country during my lifetime. And, you know, that's a real change of tune from Tate Reeves. The Mississippi Free Press points out that in 2015, when Reeves was lieutenant governor and president of the state Senate, he presided over the passage of a bill that would have locked up tuberculosis patients who refused treatment. Mississippi is just one of several Republican-led states to announce legal action. Ohio, Missouri, and Florida are right there with them. And joining me now to discuss is Dr. Erwin Redliner. He's co-founder of the Children's Health Fund and an NBC News public health analyst. And Dr. Redliner, from the public health standpoint, how how do we get to this place where states are suing over vaccine mandates? Well, this is completely nuts. You know, we keep thinking that it can't get any worse. It can't get any more ignorant uh, in terms of what is being propo- proposed or suggested by Republican lawmakers. <laughs> I'm quite familiar with the uh, Congressional Review Act. Okay, so that's I'll lean on you for that. I went more of this uh, episode to talk about the divisiveness in the media mm-hmm. and, and how they're trying to turn citizen against citizen absolutely, uh, and turn them into lizards. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> we always talk about being that you thinking out of fear is flight or, fr- is, uh, flight or fight, fight yeah. or flight. That's, that's the only thing they want you to do is think out of fear. So how is it completely nuts that you would think that you would think that people would not have with uh, uh, putting a experimental um, product, let's just call it that, into their body. The reason why I say that is I have to link. I am a quality engineer. Mm-hmm. That's that's my job, or was, or is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but that's my uh, um, profession is quality engineering. Um, in that, we don't send experimental product to customers. That's no. just a no-go. No, 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 absolutely not. Well, I, I, and I'll, I'll just say that I have my opinion, you know, based on the mass formation concept. I, I, I'm starting to humanize everybody in this or almost everybody because this guy um, clearly is under the same hypnosis as the rest of the 30% of the world who are just all in and just, you know, even if, in black and white under the summary of the Congressional Review Act, it says, you know, this is really before a rule can take effect, an agency has to submit a report to each House of Congress and the Comptroller General, you know, to explain exactly what the rule is. You, they didn't do that. So now for him to say this is nuts, that's because his psyche is in, oh, this is still an emergency and people are dying on the streets. So they saw it on TikTok and, and I'm the hero and all, all these different complexes come into play. And what's crazy is that we see life going on for people uh, going to concerts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as we've seen down in Houston, 
uh, people going to football and basketball games. I think yeah, who's afraid of COVID some, when Travis Scott will kill you free, you know, easy. But that, that the only thing, and I won't get too far into that, that conversation, but it does matter because the only stipulation was that you had to be tested to get into the concert mm-hmm. to be pressed against the other people. Yeah. That, right. That's it. Just the optics of it is just crazy. Well, that's Texas. That's you know, te- te- Texas has an anti-mandate uh, order, so that's mm-hmm. why. And uh, who knows? You know, I mean, that hasn't been played yet, but they probably should give that a go. Oh well, you know, super spreader event, <laughs> super spreader of death. But they didn't call it that because nope, they did not. Uh, big record labels, and they don't want to piss off the superstars because this is a very fragile. Uh, network they're holding together i think the celebrities are starting to see and we see with aaron Rodgers, as we see yeah with i other agree stars, i agree with you mm-hmm. they're kind of looking both ways to see which way you know which way the people are going and i think the people that's ahead of the curve are starting to see well i understand you keeping people in their house like this republican uh senator was okay with keeping uh locking people up they had it to their part tuberculosis sure and didn't want to get treated that's reasonable mm. to say okay you're sick won't you quarantine yourself and if you don't want to quarantine yourself then we have to do something about it right that's reasonable to the general public to say okay but to say okay we're gonna fire people uh if they don't want to take a shot and the other thing that's looming i'm just gonna put it out there right now there's a lot of people that took the first set of shots mm-hmm. that are, are worried about the boosters. Yep. They're seeing how it's going to go to say, and every I'm year, let y'all every, know. Year. <laughs> every year, every it's gonna year, be every, every year, every six months, it's going to be, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, I mean, just by their own uh, documentation. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that, Hey, you know, so it's like, I say to everybody to say, what's your number? Well, start I, I, to think now. What's your number? Yeah, I, I need to preface this with one important thing that we all must remember, and I have to remind myself every single day: the the original sin, the big lie of this COVID thing, was asymptomatic spread, and that mm-hmm. lie, which is a lie, it's not proven, it's never happened before. That is that's exactly why the example of tuberculosis is the correct example, <clears throat> because. Um, you need to keep sick people home, not people you think are sick or not people who have had some kind of uh, polymer chain reaction result that indicates that they may be sick even though they don't have symptoms. You're not sick without the symptoms. And that's a lie when they say you can spread that not being symptomatic. And that is the genesis of this, you have to have the vaccine to protect me. Which is not how vaccines have and, and ever I'm worked. Taking, I'm taking, and I'm taking the vaccine. You have yes. to protect me from yes. And the idiocy. No, of course, of course, and of course, we see, we see. It's plain as day. It's like, okay, that's dumb. That makes no sense. We both have to take the vaccine to protect each other because it doesn't protect you. We see the fallacy. People who who are all in are just going to be all in, and you can't convince them we shouldn't have to. And it's the forty percent of people who who are just going along with the program. They're the ones. So that's your Aaron Rodgers. That's your um, uh, Kyrie. Kyrie. Exactly. That's yeah. that's these guys. They're part of the 40%. They're not guys who just walk along with the masses. And as you know, from school days, 
There's not many people who don't walk along with the masses or eventually break away. But it's a lie. That, that's, it's the whole thing is based on a lie. Yeah, oh, yeah. Totally. It's a lot of people that's pretending to say, oh, I'm okay with, you know, the vaccine. I'm okay with the mandates, that kind of thing. But when it gets to their doorstep. That's when things get real. You, and that's why I'm saying, I want people to start thinking about this. What is your, and this, look, I'm pro-choice. If you want to take 10 jabs, knock yourself out. That's your choice. But at the same time, you can't make people take something they don't want to take. And then... Not in America. Uh, yeah, not... I mean, well, that's what we would think, but <laughs> maybe we're not in America any, anymore. And if that's the case, tell me the same. Uh, just just let me know that as well. But I, I, it's, I have, like I said, I have a lot here. Um, I think we stopped at three. Let's go ahead and get into clip four. You know, all I keep thinking about is, and I wrote an op-ed about this, that President Bolsonaro of Brazil is being uh, held on uh, human rights violations and criminal negligence. He's the president of Brazil because of policies that resulted in excess uh, deaths from COVID. And, and my question was, why aren't we holding our lawmakers and especially governors who control state policies up for the same level of accountability? It is so preposterous that we have grown-up legislators uh, either suing the federal government or demanding that we not have uh, mandates and so on. It is so contrary, Zerlina, to science and to what needs to be done to save lives. You know, we have three-quarters of a million Americans now who have died of uh, COVID, and at least 80% of those were avoidable deaths. If we had been vaccinated, we wouldn't be in this very tragic situation. I think when you think about the avoidable deaths, that's when I, I get very upset because, you know, when we didn't have a vaccine, you know, that's one thing. But once we had the vaccine, the politicization of vaccines has cost lives. Um, but I'm glad to see, you know, there is now evidence of vaccine mandates working. You see, you, you heard Dr. Fauci there. Elaborate on what he said there. Why do they work? Like, what's the science to back that up? <laughs> you, heard, you heard that, right? <laughs> they work. That's funny. They get rid of the sick. They get that's rid right. of the uh, Disease people. That's a it's a good catch, Mo, because I've heard it, and I I always just interpret it exactly as the way he means it. But I can see it's really a tricky little thing he's done there. He's done it a good works. job, or Fauci Meister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a couple of points I want to point out. One being we need to lock up politicians, <laughs> and then two the unavoidable deaths. I, I, I want to put those to the side and talk about them. You can go ahead and. I want to hear what you heard from the clip first. Oh, well, I heard uh, about Brazil's president Bolsonaro, you know, crimes against humanity. Well, I, I, I know what this is. You know, they, um, uh, there's been, they've brought a case in the International Criminal Court, the ICC, in The Hague uh, over his handling. Uh, and in that, they say, you know, they accused him of serious and deadly failures. The, the thing is, the, the International Criminal Court... The United States does not even recognize this. This is a it's a marketing court at this point. So mm. it's like, eh, all right, fine. It, but it you know it sounds great when you say it. Oh, he's being he's in international criminal court for crimes against humanity. Well, there's been a lot of people that have been summoned and they just don't go. A George Bush would be one. He's also sought by the inter- <laughs> yes, true, yeah. So it's war criminal, but no. So it, you know, so that's kind of a 
a red herring. But to throw that out there that we need to start locking up politicians. Oh, the message is we, clear. We have to see who this, we have to see who the totalitarians is here. I mean, the, the extent they're go to because I'm like this. If you have such a great product, sell me on the product. Show me the numbers. Show me how it's going to help my life. If it makes sense, I'll make the purchase. I'm a very practical person in that way. But the fact when you have to go to locking up politicians, calling people dumb, ignorant, those kind of things. And then uh, the point I want to address on is this unavoidable death. Yeah. And I think we really have to get into this because a lot of people that don't want to take the shot that are believers believe that your time is your time. Yeah, sure. I could I could be sitting in a room, a padded room. And when it's my time to go, I'm going to go. Well, so that means that believers could also, if they can get past all the other potential issues of what's in the vaccine or what it was tested with, that they would have enough faith to say, yeah, it's my time. It's my time. I'll take it. It could be, it could cut both ways. Mm -hmm. See, you see, you see, it it could cut both ways. But if you believe, okay, so they say, take the, take the jab. And it will prevent you from possibly dying. That's that's what they say here. 80% mm-hmm. of the 750,000 people were avoidable. In my book, 0% of those deaths were avoidable. Because everybody that died is meant to die. I got you. Mm-hmm. That's, it doesn't work with us. It's that's, so, a, that, now that's a very fundamental belief. And I completely understand where you're coming from and what you're saying. And I, right. and I also um, simultaneously completely understand why people will be like, that's not logical. That makes no sense. And they and you just n- never be able to tell them otherwise. Well, it's doctrine. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I say. It's, it's what I mean by doctrine. In the Bible, it says your, your days are numbered upon this earth. Right. So it means uh, if tomorrow's my day to go, whether I'm jabbed or unjabbed, I'm going to go. I mean, and so taking in all these factors, people are making decisions. But the fact that people don't respect that um, is, you, is you the problem. That, Cause I'm saying this to the other side to say what you're saying doesn't resonate. <laughs> right. That doesn't you throwing that un, that avoidable death thing out there. It doesn't resonate with me. Interesting point. Because, okay. Got it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So when it's my time to go, it's my time to go. And as you say, you're trying to humanize everybody. I'm trying to humanize everybody as well, because what really scares me is it's not the vaccine. It's this ramped up, divisive binary situation they're putting people in and it only takes a spark to ignite this that's what troubles me (laughs) more more than the vaccine or anything like that we've and i say we americans and humans have killed each other over far less than this yeah yes i'm i'm of the mindset that kinetic um war civil war is much less likely in today's day and age. Of course, mm-hmm. there can always be, and and we've seen in the past two years, <laughs> there's definitely violence is definitely possible. Um, it just seems that the people who are all in are all in and are quite lethargic. And unless they got a specific order, kind of like Rosebud level, I don't think mm-hmm. anything will happen. But So that's what I'm afraid of, is you've got 30% of the world, or just the country, the United States, You've got them all in, they're captured, and, uh, you know, what do you say? Which, you know, yeah, it, it's definitely, 
dangerous, but there's also a lot of pushback in that 40% in the middle is in play. And when I say, I don't think we're going to get into you know, a civil war where we're shooting our neighbors and that kind of thing. But when you get to the point where like those people just won't listen, so they need to be... Well, screw that. When you get to the point where your colleague, okay, maybe he's your manager at work, mm-hmm. is telling you you can go home and you get, you know, you're, you're, you know basically uh, we'll give you some time to think about it and uh, without pay and uh, until you're ready. Otherwise, we're just going to let you go or just continue not paying you. Good luck. I mean, that, that's violence. I mean, you know, it, quote, unquote, that's really evil, the stuff that you're making people do to each other in workplaces, which are just communities. And that's my point. And one, once you get that ball rolling, you get people, well, you, you've confined me to a life of poverty. Yeah. What's to start stealing, start taking, start, you know, um, thinking in that manner. Uh, so, um, or workplace like say, shootings, just, Mo. You you predicted it. It will come. Look, I, I see it I, happening, man. That can happen. I was going to put that in the show, and since you brought it up, I'm going to bring it up. What's the one group of people that was supposedly exempt from the federal government? The post office. Going postal. Now, the reasons given were not that, of course, but <laughs> but I like it. Yes, we didn't want those guys to go, quote, yeah, that's what it used to be called, going postal. There was just a time when it was just one. I wonder if uh, it must be... Uh, there must be a Wikipedia entry for that because that was the thing oh, in, the, in the 80s, I would say. It was when it was really bad. Right. That's what we had to give perspective to people that wasn't around in that time. I think it was 80s, even into the 90s because, I mean, I was a teenager when I remember this thing happening. But going postal, that was like post workers were on a tear of coming in and and, and taking people out. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll revisit that point. <laughs> I, I didn't want to put it in this show <laughs> yeah. just yet, but going um, and, and and as you as we both think that the postal workers are exempt, right? By the way, this started. Um, I think it started during Reagan. There was something about Reagan, and what was their reasoning? I looked into. It, I can tell you their reason. I don't they know. Tell underpaid, me. Tell underpaid me. and overworked. They, that would be a, that would be a reason. <laughs> So if you're getting rid of a whole bunch of people and the people that stay behind are the ones you have in that population, people that were reluctant to take the vax, but took the vax, and then you overworking them yeah. in a stressful environment, it, just by the sheer odds of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want I just want to lay that out. And and I found when I heard it, I was like, he's exempting the postal workers? The first thing that popped in my head was going postal. We don't want to piss these people off. Uh, <laughs> That's the first thing I thought too. Uh, they, they, they had a different reason. I can't remember exactly what it was. But but let me enlighten people. They are not exempt. That's what I thought. Yeah. Because they're they're exempt under his federal worker mandate, but they're covered under the OSHA mandate. Yes. See, that's that's I'm telling you, this is the things that we have to watch for is he slide of hands. And my reference is the D.C. The article says White House official clarifies where the postal workers are exempt from vaccine mandate. And it goes on to say the United States States postal worker employees receive COVID-19 vaccines under rules issued by the OSHA. Yeah. 
and not the rules for federal government. Multiple outlets report uh, multiple outlets reported Thursday, so they're not exempt. No, this is this is this is a, a huge problem, and I think it's I think there's a plan here, and I'll get more into that later. I think we stopped at clip number four. Yep. Let's go ahead and get to number five. Well, they're working because people want to go to work. They want to go to events. They want to eat inside restaurants. Uh, they want to keep their jobs, basically. And the more we can say that you can't come to work here uh, because the federal government outlaws it. If, if you work for a company with more than 100 people, you will not be able to come to work unless you get vaccinated. Uh, and some, of the, some companies will have an option of allowing people to get tested once a week. But the 17 million uh, health care workers don't even have that option nor should they you've got to get vaccinated period and i think uh, i just think this is something that we're going to need to enforce and when we do enforce it we'll finally get to uh, the vaccination levels that will help protect at least some of the uh, spread of this uh, really vicious lethal covid19 virus yeah there it is conflated nicely yeah nice (laughs) nicely conflated let, let me give you a hypothetical about a guy named Joe Katz, maybe. Um, Joe Katz has been working from home since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, Joe Katz. Job 100%. <laughs> <laughs> job it, took 100%. Me a, it took me a second. I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. Let's, yeah, tell me about this Joe, Joe Katz dude. Let's talk about Joe. Just Joe. This is hypothetical. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. All right. So Joe has been working from home since the beginning of the pandemic, thriving. Uh, his job allows him to work 100% from home. Uh, Joe doesn't want to get the vaccine. Maybe Joe even had COVID. Who knows? So he even has the antibodies. Uh, he's not posing any risk to anybody, but let's fire Joe. Does that sound like a good idea to you? Uh, I, I'm presuming that Joe was very productive during the uh, the work at home period, and perhaps even more productive. And no, it makes uh, zero sense to me. In fact, I'd consider having Joe continue working at home. Quite honestly, <laughs> well, that's that's my point. Why would you fire Joe? I mean, because we ought to take these in pockets. Okay, there's a case going on right out here in George uh, uh, with an attorney out of George Mason. He's a professor saying he would have took the vax if he had it was available to him but he caught covid he beat covid now why does he have to take the vax so he's going from the angle of uh i had it already why do i need the vax well and and let's just stop there for one second Mm -hmm. uh this is the second most egregious part uh outside of um uh what we what we discussed earlier uh with asymptomatic spread from purely purely medical perspective you can really, if you really want to do the work and you go in and look at all the different studies that have been done from reputable sources, including CDC, FDA, uh, NIH, uh, you name it, NHS in the UK, uh, immunity from uh, natural and quote unquote natural infection is superior. And even if it wasn't superior, it's at least on par. So there should be no reason to take a vaccination for the same issue to achieve the same unless there's a secondary reason and, and we're as joe biden said not joe katz um said that we're going to be testing people weekly 
Yeah. Well, that was going to be an option, and that never panned out. Well, that's not even an option. No. Nobody discusses that option. To say, it, hey, it was supposed we'll to be an option. It was. It, it was clearly said, or or a weekly test. What this was was a nudge for the corporations to go ahead and do what the corporations wanted to do. You bet. And they got cover from the uh, politicians. That's uh, all this is. Right, but I don't. I'm not so sure that the corporations wanted to do this. I, I'll disagree there. I believe they too are under pressure, and they're under pressure from. Uh, and I'm 100 percent convinced this is true from the environmental social governance. Uh, that is the only score that matters it doesn't even matter if you're making profit oh, okay. these days in that. yeah 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 it's this i didn't factor in that part because I'm, it makes you wonder why is weekly testing and a mask not the option to go for, for most people unless it's a hey, you guys are right on top of each other you might need to get the vaccine that kind of thing but no what they're saying is you will be not even fired. They're not even firing people. No, no, no. This that's like- the worst part. <laughs> they don't want to fire people because, and I'm not quite sure how the mechanism works, but I believe if someone, if you fire someone and they claim unemployment, does the company pay for some of that or their employment insurance pays for it? How does well, that work? They, yes, yes, they should. Yes. And we're going to get in touch on that a little later, but that's how it normally works. If you are let go by the company and it's not something that you brought on, like being late or that kind of stuff like that, even in those cases, me being a uh, uh, in that position, I had to let people go before. It's like, well, you know what? We did fire the guy. Let's not mess up with his unemployment. That's kind of like, right. unless you were just a complete a-hole, you know, and then it's like, oh, well, we, we'll, well so, mess around with So it. the definition of being an a-hole, I'm just saying, let's say Joe Katz um, mm-hmm. uh, didn't want the, to accept the vaccine into his life, and his company said, well, you know, we're going to give you until uh, next week, and then you better start because uh, after that, we're going to keep you at home without pay, or we will keep you on board with no pay for two months, which implies you can think about it while you're while you have no income, or you can do something else, which means you would leave. And and the timing of it. Right before the Christmas, holidays. of course, yes. Christmas, baby. This is yeah. This is the most fun time. You come, your family comes over. It's like what you've been doing. Yeah, I just been sitting here in a quasi unemployed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I laugh about it because it's gallows humor. It's wow, like they are really taking it here, and that makes me look at the, them like wow, like y'all really want to take it here, huh? Can I ask you a question which may pop up later in the show? I were, sure. sure. And you don't have the answer. It's a rhetorical question. But all things considered, if you are on welfare, should there not be a vaccination mandate for you as well if we're just going to be completely fair about everything? Or is step, it all- step by step. Step I by it. step. I, I, knew, I, knew, I knew I was taking this too far. Put them on. No, no, I'm saying not, not you. Not, <laughs> no. not I'm saying the the rollout, like that's why they won't mandate the booster shit. Oh, I see what you're saying, step by step. You don't want to piss too many people all at once. Let's right. get the, the right. workers first. Right. So they better they we'll, better hurry up because people are saying this to me. It's like, hey, how come they don't have to get this? And, and they and they're getting free money, and and we're starving, and then we we paid all the taxes, and and uh, and we're screwed. Uh, 
What about illegal immigrants that's coming across the border? Right, I mean, don't, like, yeah, don't get me started it, on that. Yeah, of course. But, but well, we're gonna need, we're gonna need a, we're gonna need some people who have replacement hearts for all this myocarditis. So we might as well get the illegals in here. Well, and, that, and that they'll get jabbed up too. I yeah, mean, yeah. nobody's gonna escape it if it, if we continue on like we're going. So I think we, we that was the last clip. Was that yeah, five or four? That's five. We're going to six. So we're post Halloween. We're heading into Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. Um, last year, the advice was to really minimize the amount of gathering we were doing. Now we have uh, a certain percentage of the population that's vaccinated. Do you think that there will be a holiday surge uh, that's less severe than last year because of that? You know, it's hard to say, Zerlina. We'll have to see. Um, and, you know, a lot of this is going to be up to individuals. If you plan on having a celebration, indoors uh, for Thanksgiving uh, or for uh, the uh, winter holidays, Christmas and Hanukkah and so on. I uh, Here's what we would do and what we are going to do is we're going to tell potential guests and we're not going to have a whole lot of them that you have to be vaccinated in order to come to the house here. And uh, I think the more people that uh, demand that uh, very basic uh, requirement that you get vaccinated before you come to an indoor gathering the better off we're going to be and those will be more incentives i think for people to get vaccinated incentives yeah let's pressure you through your family i have we have friends not because you know we're out here in hill country and there's people in austin and there's friends of ours who actually hadn't spoken to for quite a while and now they're like Mm -hmm. holy crap we just woke up what's going on and they are now in a horrible position where this is literally taking place to them can't go home grandma you know no one can see grandma unless we're all vaccinated and they're just calling and pressuring these people all day long it's the family structure that is what is being ripped apart by this it's real that's that's the that's my biggest beef honestly that was my thing about the civil war kind of thing yeah yeah i don't think we're gonna get a kinetic shooting war yeah brother against brother yeah that's that's biblical. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. That's biblical. So let me get this straight. You want to let a guy go? Then he for the holidays he can't see his family. He doesn't have any money around the holidays to buy anything for his kids. Yeah. And you think he's going to be okay with that? Yeah, no, he's not. He's going to be very unokay with that. And as we know, people take it to different levels. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a proponent. I'm saying this as a PSA. Let's just think about this for a minute. Let's just think about this for a minute because it's a perfect storm brewing for people to either harm themselves or harm other people Mm -hmm. or harm other people before harm themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I, 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 I talk to people and it's. Uh, and then you even get in a stickier situation. Like I said, why didn't he say, well, you need to have the shot and the boosters to come to Christmas? Right. If we, I mean, if that's that's my problem with this whole situation. It's this middle of the road kind of thing. Like, yeah, you can get the shots, but you don't really need your boosters. You can come to Christmas if you got your original shots that you may have taken over a year ago. Right. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't have, if you had COVID and have antibodies, you can't come to Christmas. It's set the clear guidelines. Say, hey, you got to have shots, boosters, 
You know what I'm saying? Two masks and <laughs> uh, we test you at the door. Uh, I okay. Know. I know. <laughs> at least that's logical. Yeah. At least that's logical. And, and, and Well, no, the logical thing is, and this is what I tell my friends. I said, okay, really logically, you can even tell your family this. CDC guidelines say, even if you're vaccinated, you can, <clears throat> you can spread the, the virus. So... Mm-hmm. That means that you can also get it and someone else can get it. So why don't we, why don't I just get tested and then you'll know for sure that I'm okay. Vaccinated or not, I'm tested. No one can argue that logic. They will. But if, if, if it depends on what paradigm you have, if you're sick, then you're sick. And I want to get into this next clip, next set of clips. And this is your boy Ari from uh, MSNBC. Oh God, uh, the, the hip hop, the hip hop expert. Yes, Ari. Mm-hmm. I don't know the guy's name. He's gonna say it in, in the next set of clips. Uh-huh. But it, I want you to look up his picture. I, I didn't have time to get the picture for you. <laughs> okay. Or you can search by the clip title on YouTube and see see this guy. I'm not saying he's a lizard, <laughs> but if I was gonna say what a humanoid lizard would look like it could possibly look like this guy turning to a big legal development the white house cheering what it calls good news from the supreme court as biden pushes this partial vaccine mandate now the biden administration mandate has not hit the high court yet but a strict state mandate survived a crucial test the supreme court leaving in place a vaccine mandate for healthcare workers, five justices voting that way, including two Trump appointees. The court already left in place mandates at educational institutions. So taken together, the headline here is it is hard to overturn COVID vaccine requirements. And courts have upheld them for a century of all kinds of vaccines. Now, there can be limits when it comes, for example, to religious exceptions and how courts want to require that. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is set to publish details and a mandate rule in writing this week. That plan allows a major exception, allowing basically everyone who is affected by it to choose testing instead of vaccination if they want. Still, Republicans 11 states suing Biden over it. And the president has told Republicans have at it because he says he'll win these challenges. These brand new court signals that I'm telling you about, well, they're definitely on his side. The Supreme Court has yet to hear a full case on this, but everything that we're learning, including that new ruling from Maine, suggests they're okay with it. So did you see the uh, guy that's uh, on the clip? If not, I just want to point out, this is before the recent, this was like maybe a, a little less than a week ago. Before the you know the up the halting of the of the current uh, mandate, so MSNBC is out doing their propaganda propaganda, saying the, the title of the YouTube video is "Winning Biting Vax Mandate Get Shot in the Arm from Scotus." Yeah, I thought I was going to hear the a, a name in the in the clip. Okay, so it, I did, but it, I'm, it, I'm, it, look, it, I'm looking it, it up now. No, I want to see it now. Now I have to see this. Whatever, whatever it is, I got to see it. Okay, this guy got more teeth. Well, I'm trying. To... <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, he he's a scary looking guy. That's all I got to say. Uh, and I want you to listen to, um, the mill you. That he uses or or that he he speaks with uh, or he may be ah uh, yes okay this guy what is his name hold on a second is he is it in the clip yeah oh no 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 this guy he is the lizard king 
Definitely. Uh, yeah. 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 Oh, oh, he even stuck his tongue out. I just saw him go like a lizard does. You see all those teeth? Oh, king. Oh, my king. goodness. He's been chomping on some rats or stuff for lunch. I'm trying to say Komodo dragon. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay. All right. I'll put that in the show notes so people can enjoy that. It's not only his look, but listen to his logic. Number eight. You've worked with uh, WHO and really know these issues around the world. Um, what's your global perspective here on how the U.S. uses these powers compared to other places? Because we've heard the arguments of, oh, maybe this is extreme or government overreach. Uh, and yet most of the mandates have exceptions. The Biden one has a big one, as mentioned. Uh, and the United States has tried to strike a balance with liberty uh, and vaccination for some time. Yeah, I mean, you know, from an ethical point of view, let's just start with that. You know, everyone has the right to, you know, the sanctity of their own body, of course, but nobody has the right to expose another person to a dangerous and infectious disease. You, you don't have the right to go into a crowded workspace unmasked and unvaccinated because you, you cause harm to others. A lot of other countries around the world have mandates of one form or another. Ours tends to focus on schools and on work. Others, you know, you can't go to a shop. You can't go to a museum. You can't go on an airplane. Um, you can't get a croissant in France unless you're vaccinated. And so yep. around the world, is it croissant or is it croissant? <laughs> it's, it's a croissant. Okay. A croissant. Well, yes. You're very international. So go ahead. I am. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, from from the UK. So it's not quite France. And the guy had like a, a whole qu- chocolate croissant stuck at his front teeth. He, he sounds like Fauci, doesn't he? He does. He does. Yeah, elitist. I mean, a croissant. When you say croissant, then you've been hanging out with Pierre in, in Paris too much. And he got kind of irked that Ari asked him that. Mm-hmm, like, how dare mm-hmm. you, American? <laughs> how dare you, American? Horrible man. Once again, he's, he's beat the British accent because it's not very detectable. Right. But this is one of those things that you brought up. And once you brought it up, I can't unsee it. Where the hell did all these Brits come from to start telling Americans how to live? Right. Well, the way uh, the No Agenda show deconstructed it is that um, when it's something that needs to be communicated that's official, Americans like hearing that from a British voice. It comes across more authoritative. And also, um, just like the rest of the M5M, uh, most of these people are spies, and a lot of these Brits are uh, MI6 or MI5, whichever one, uh, GCHQ. They're they're you know they are assets, and they're out to communicate something, and no one ever questions them. Eh, he's, he's he's British, okay, oh, fine. Oh, I guess it's I guess it's official then. You know, yeah, I just, you know, I just it's, find it's, that it's weird. It's a different time over there, you know. He's he's five hours. He's five hours later. <laughs> right, I just find it weird that they come over here and they start dictating and. Telling us how, what America and our freedoms are, and oh yeah, uh, like for it, honestly, like like you're the of all people, you're the last people that could tell us about freedom. I thought that was settled uh, <laughs> uh, over two hundred years ago. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but it, it's just it's I find it fascinating that the like you said, it's elitism. It's, you're dumb, you're ignorant, you don't know what you're talking about, believe our science, believe what we're saying, and it, I'm just going to put it on the table. At the end of the day, I or anybody else doesn't have to tell anybody why we don't want to do anything. 
See, I think we've we've jumped the shark on that one. Having to explain ourselves. Do you want the shot? No. Why? Because I said so. Yeah. Well, it's it's even worse. I mean, I I get emails every day from people who uh who want to claim a religious exemption and it's gone so far when you see the question it's it's templatized by now. It's kind of the same thing. But mm-hmm. first of all, it's sincerely held religious belief. So you have to attest that this is a sincerely held religious belief. That right there, that language itself is uh, unconstitutional. If you're saying, well, you know, basically you need to prove that, that you're really sincere about your religion. No, no, that it's gotten to that point, point why, why is do I crazy. Have to prove anything? Nothing. Why, why? No, no. And, and people need to stop there. Stop. No, I don't have to prove that. But we've tried to go along to get along. Yeah, that's <laughs> Say, the American you know, way. We, we always try to be nice people. We try to be friendly and neighborly, and we're being taken advantage of. But, not but, but he said, but, the reason I brought up, but, he said, oh, yeah, you're entitled to the sanctity of your body, but, no, there's no but after that. No, no, there there's should no, not there's be. There's no but after there that. There should not be, no. But that just goes to show you how far we've gotten away from the narrative of if I don't want something, I don't want to have to have it. And I find it fascinating how this flies in the face of the liberal thinkings of respectability politics and doing what's expected of you. Mm. You know, that that was the whole thing. Like, like you, you shouldn't have to, you know, comb your hair, you know, because it, that's what people expect you to do. You well, again, do well again, going back to the original lie. <laughs> The reason why this is this is and it's just, people just forget is because this this fake false lie this narrative that you can spread it if you don't have symptoms. So the and the logical conclusion is you need to take the vaccine to protect others except you, and that's not true. And that's why this confusion gets there. It's because the, the people who are all in on this and don't understand because they're in hypnosis, they don't see that what they say, what they are saying is ridiculous. You should not have to explain anything because that should only be your choice because you will not harm anyone. Could you imagine this? Let's take it away from COVID. Let's take it away from that. Let's say <clears throat> somebody was going through a sex change. And they want access to the proper bathroom with their chosen gender. And they said, well, before you can do that. Yeah, let's see if we you're need sincere. you to fill out this document mm-hmm. to see, like, are you top and bottom? Uh, is this kind of like a, is yeah, this yeah. a certain thing you do just do on the weekends? Like, how, how trans are you? Yeah. You know, so let's get, are, are you sincerely trans? Yes, Imagine sir. that. There you go. That's a great analogy. Imagine how that would go over. But now it's what kind of believer are you? What what But what trans do people don't to? kill other people, Mo. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I'm just yeah, but I'm, I'm, Of course. I understand what you're I, saying. It it is it's just fascinating how it's like the and that's why their side doesn't have any logic. Because logic is I can plug this play plug and play it in anywhere mm-hmm. and it would still make sense. Yeah. No, this is you're trying to corner people, starting with the believers, I believe, starting with the people that still want to work in this country, um, because you see a lot of people just checked out. It's like, bump it. Uh, (laughs) 
I'll just take that. I'll sure. just take the unemployment while you were giving it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I don't right. have to worry about you taking it from me because I never went to work. Right. Uh, and and it's like let's just kick the people. Uh, but I think it's a reason behind it. I'll get to it in in a little bit why they're doing this. Um, but let's hear more of the uh, Lizard King. You have the right to douse yourself in gasoline, um, but the police and the courts aren't going to be okay with you doing that and then running around a place where people are smoking and hugging everyone. In other words, your own body is right literally there. Stop on right your there. body. Stop right there. Stop, stop. There it is. I, I, I want to dissect this analogy because I think it's very telling and maybe the truth wants to come out. The way he prefaced who has the gasoline on him yeah. and who actually has the fire. <laughs> okay. Want to hear it one more time? Yeah, please. You have the right to douse yourself in gasoline. Um, but the police and the courts aren't going to be okay with you doing that and then running around a place where people are smoking and hugging everyone. In other words, your own body, it could be literally on your body, but as it starts to touch, get close to other people's bodies, th- there are public safety elements. I do want to... <laughs> so are you saying that people that got their cigarettes in the fire being the vax people will set me on fire? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because you are stupid. You doused yourself in gasoline. No, but just think about that for a minute. I know exactly what you're saying. Gasoline is harmless <laughs> without fire. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, you, you, of course, if you inhale it, it can kill you. But I'm just saying, if you just pour it on your clothes, it's pretty harmless. Yeah, but if I go around the smokers, no, that's the that's the vaxers. You, if you've been vaxxed, you're a smoker, right? Yeah, the so ana- the analogy I'm backfires. From yeah. them. <laughs> it does, and that is possibly true too. If you look at the the, the shedding and all that stuff, I, I'm, that's what I'm, I'm. That is a major concern of mine. But I'm just saying that the way he formulated that, it's like, do you not realize you're not helping your case? No, I am, I'm, I'm, no, I'm covered in gas. No, he does not. He does not. Re- <laughs> Stay away from me with your cigarette. Yeah, keep your fire away from me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm covered in gas. Yeah, good point. I like it. Uh, All right. But we can, we'll continue. We can get to the rest of the clip. Yeah. I, I just wanted to hear yeah, I like point it. that out. I like it. A pushback on the religious point, just so we understand it here, because uh, Justice um, Gorsuch, I want to say, yeah, Justice Gorsuch wrote about this in the dissent to this. So this is the, the current losing side, although it may ultimately go back to the court. And he says, healthcare workers who've served on the front lines of a pandemic for the last 18 months are now being fired for adhering to their religious beliefs. Um, what do you say to him and those workers if he makes the argument that if they have a genuine, good faith, religious belief, they ought to be able to adhere to it and continue to provide health care? Well, you know, health care workers are there to protect their patients, to save their patients' lives. And also we want to save their lives. And so if you have a health care worker that's unvaccinated, he or she can transmit the infection to their fellow healthcare worker. They can transmit it to a patient. You know, and I wrote an article for JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, talking about a wider freedom. FDR talked about that. The, the whole idea is that, you know, yes, you have a freedom over your own body, but you don't have a freedom um, to in, in that that harms other people. Okay, he stumbled a little bit on his bullcrap statement. That. I, I didn't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, you have the freedom, but you don't uh, b- 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 have the harm. Yeah, okay. 
he couldn't even get it out. No, it was like couldn't. you have the freedom, but you don't. Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> this is this is they they don't have the common sense on their side. No. So this is the reason for the propaganda. Even the title of this video, Winning Biting Vax Mandate Gets Shot in the Arm from SCOTUS. What in that those clips told you they got a shot in the arm? It's just pure, we want to control the public narrative. That's all. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's also, win. it's just pathetic uh, news stuff. That's, that's how, that's how, uh, how news, they always think in puns. Yeah, I, mean, I get the pun, but I'm just saying that you would think that the it's there. I have an ironclad case that the SCOTUS is going to hold. Now, I don't have any faith in the, in the Supreme Court. <laughs> you don't? Uh, no, I don't. Hmm. I, I, and, and it's sad to say that. Yeah, yeah. Well, time, it's, it's, I mean, we every time we needed them, we, uh, we got screwed. I mean, so it's I'm just not just speaking from my perspective mm-hmm. of. Every time you think they're going to stop something, need, I, I think needs to be stopped. No. Um, but I'll say this. Their legacy is on the line. And I think that's what they care about most is their legacy. Yeah. The ones, you, the ones who are, um, who know what's going on. Yeah. Do you want to be the one that opens this Pandora box similar to how AIDS, HIV, uh, open the Pandora's box for the uh, testing of medication or the lack of testing mm-hmm. of medication. Do this SCOTUS want to be the ones that say, "Oh yeah, you don't have you don't have any rights to your body"? That that's uh, well. The reason why I'm gonna just be I'm gonna be honest with you. Mm-hmm. The reason why I don't want to have hope is I don't want to get kicked in the nuts later by having hope. Well, okay. and, I, and I know that's a bad uh, reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I have studied this. I have studied the Supreme Court decisions on this, going back to the original, which many people use as, in fact, I disagree seldomly with Alan Dershowitz, but I do on this one case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had other professors uh, look at this, professors of uh, constitutional law. Uh, back in the, uh, in, the, in the old, old pandemic days, there was a guy who said, no, I'm not going to take this vaccination. And it went uh, to the state's court and it went ultimately all the way. Uh, this and another case went all to the way to the Supreme Court. And the uh, answer was the, the way the way it's explained usually today is and absolutely the, the state had that right. But it's not that he lost his case and then they tied him to a to a gurney and jabbed him. No. They find him because that was the only thing um, that that really saved this case is there was no repercussions and there's no fines for not taking it from the government. I'm not talking about, you know, not having not being able to eat because you lost your job. And also mm-hmm. there were no restrictions um, of people who didn't have it and not walking around on the street. So you can see where that's a huge restriction and they've done a little bit of that. The masking has changed some of that. Uh, but it's more a talking point to say Supreme Court absolutely can um, uh, can rule that you need to, uh, uh, can enforce a mandate, but not with the physical insertion of the needle, only with a penalty. Now, the penalty could be super severe, but not 
They okay. cannot. Okay, they cannot mean. sink a needle into your arm. Okay, that's comforting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now you may fry, but okay, you know, at least there's no needle in your arm. Right. Um, and let me elaborate on that's the comforting. On the, he says, <laughs> "Funny man, Mofax." <laughs> let me speak on to the 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 kicking the nads that I want to avoid because I think they do have leverage. When I say they. The Democrats uh, and the ruling elite, uh, one world government globalists. It's one thing that's not been talked about since Biden's been in office that was a hot topic during the election. Flooding the courts. Pack, yeah. Uh, pack, pack, packing the courts. Packing yes. the courts, yeah. Packing the courts. I think that will be a possibility if the court doesn't give them what they want. You gave us no choice. We tried to work with you not to pack the courts, but in this matter mm-hmm. in life and death, you didn't act the right way. Mm-hmm. So now, and it could be a win-win. I mean, I'm just doing the political calculus on this. It's like, you know what? We always wanted to pack the courts anyway. Yeah. Uh, do it. <laughs> right. So, but, so at the first, I'd have to see indication the court uh, will rule against mandates before they mm-hmm. start uh, packing the court. Uh, that's a, that you know that's that's a reasonable assertion. I like it actually, and that's that's because I'm I haven't heard packing the court since the yes yeah, it's, it's been it's been a bit yeah but they still want to, and it, this might be the catalyst for them to say yeah, yeah we, <laughs> we gotta, know we 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 know what the SCOTUS is going to do but we already have our counter uh, move lined up to get what we wanted to have anyway for other reasons. It's a, so, the, the only thing is a little difficult right now because you still have to send a judge through confirmation. And that's going to be contentious because that's the Senate. It's not easy. But yeah, your point is is valid. So this guy... With the nuclear can't... option. If, if, they, if they... I'm sorry to interrupt. If they blow the filibuster, you have to blow the filibuster so you can confirm the, the, the judges you want on the courts. That's how it would work. And they might not even be able to pat the courts, but the conversation changes. Yeah. So this is <clears throat> this this is our battle cry for twenty twenty two, twenty twenty four. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Which, which is all about politics mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And winning elections. Um. So I like Lizard it. King brought up uh, F, uh, FDR. So he p- talked about the freedoms that FDR spoke about. Uh. So I went and did some research on FDR and the Four Freedoms, and I have two clips on it, first being number 10. You and I have seen event follow event, each and every one of them a shock, a shock to our hopes for the peaceful development of modern civilization as we know it. FDR soon told Americans that they should be wary of the four fears. The fear of not being able to worship freely. The fear of losing freedom of expression. The fear of military arms. And the fear that the war would damage free commerce among nations. Have been cruelly invaded. But now it was New Year's Day, 1941, and it was time to look forward. Within the White House, President Roosevelt and his advisors were preparing for the annual message to Congress. Suddenly, FDR leaned back in his chair. In a moment, he would ask his secretary to take down an idea for a new finale to the upcoming speech. It would not be for fears, but for freedoms. 
as he was sitting there, he was thinking about the imperative of coming up with a set of words that would lift the speech beyond the idea that we have reason to fear the Axis powers, we have reason to believe and reason to hope that we can make a difference. So he articulates, sitting in a, in, at his desk with his speechwriters, he actually articulates right out of his head these famous words, freedom of speech and expression, freedom of worship, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. Yeah, now he's the one that said all we have to fear is fear itself. Yeah, he also don't want to create you, uh, the UN, so I don't want to give him too many. Uh, no, no, can't, don't give him too much uh, kudos there. But th- that's a nice little list, you know. Speech. Uh, what was the second one? Uh, worship. Uh, worship. Want. Uh, I like that. Fear of right. And, want. That's nice. And and then freedom, freedom from fear, fear itself. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, and yeah. that's the two. But that's the two parties we have now: the freedom party and the fear party. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. This is it. And, and it's amazing that the guy that just spoke uh, brought him up to say that, oh, Roosevelt spoke about these freedoms. But in these freedoms, I think this, the, just the ideology and, you know, just what his talking points were will lean towards more of the people that are on the side. Hey, I have a right to, uh, first of all, say I don't want it to actually speak that from my mouth, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people are closeted right now. Yeah. Um. Just hoping that their card is not pulled, uh, pun intended and not intended. But I mean, once I said it, uh, it sounded kind of cool. I, I know what you well, mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want your back's card pulled to see. No, say, uh, no, no. Yeah, uh, you're missing. You, you you talk a good game, but you're actually not backs. Right. Um, or to say, uh, you got the that's the actual to be able to say it. Freedom to express yourself, um, because I don't want to. I'm expressing myself, and then you know the uh, freedom. To, what was the other two? It was I know the last one. Was uh, speech, fr- worship, want, and fear. Want. I, I want a job. Yeah. I want to work. Yeah. I'm. I'm just me personally. I've been working since I've been 15 years old, under uninterrupted, maybe but six months. Um, after what was that? 2003, 2002. Mm-hmm. Where there just were no jobs, and you know, you get to that weird place where McDonald's won't hire you because yeah. you will leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't have enough experience to get the job get, that you yeah. want. So mm-hmm. I, I've been in that spot. So we're talking about putting Americans that went to work every day that you know paid into the system, not get rid of them. And you bring up these four things. You bring up Roosevelt and freedom. Yeah, but I I think I understand where how he uses Roosevelt because Roosevelt has some a lot of uh, communist ideas esque. I put him in there, not esque. Uh, totally, um, he he brought in huge welfare state. Yeah, the 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 uh, the, the, the Grand uh, New, New deal. deal, the Great New Deal. He brought in um, Social Security, a lot of these things, which they kind of make sense, but. I think I always make this point because I'm not a uh, socialist by any means of the uh, by any means, but I do think America should have a strong social safety net to spring people back into work. Sure, like you know, you you out of work. <laughs> Let's not give you like a you know a little little piece of crumbs and just let you linger for years and years and years on welfare 
How about we give you a nice sum of money up front? And if you don't do right by that, you're on your own. Instead of like breaking off these little pieces and give it to you where you never can get yourself going again. Mm-hmm. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, which I think that's created by design <laughs> for it to be that way where you get trapped into poverty and people can politic on your behalf. Right. Um, for their gain. So those are the four freedoms by FDR. Yeah, I like that. I never um, actually heard those. I appreciate you yeah. uh, diving into that. And they were the counter to the four fears. What are our four fears now? COVID, climate, um, uh, nationalism. You know, we all we need to be you know, global. We need to be global. It's we, all there. We don't, need yeah. to have, we don't need to have borders. And then I, I don't know what the, you consider maybe the four freedom, maybe the economy, uh, inflation. When you look at the, you know, well, like, well, under, that, would, that would be under want. Under want would be uh, inflation, reduction of buying power. Right. So we, we, we're right back at where we are there with, with we're facing these global fears. Uh, and, but instead of a, you know, a totalitarian uh, madman like Hitler, we have an a undetectable disease. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by undetectable, I'm not talking about the uh, PCR test. I'm talking about you can't see who hasn't, who doesn't have it. Right. By, by the point you made about the... Um, Asymptomatic the, um, spread. Ace, ace, yeah, it's, anybody can have it. You I mean it could be? Yeah, you've you've, um, you've completely made people afra- afraid of cooties, right? Circle, circle, dot, dot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's see. Let's get into the second part of four freedoms. In the future days, if we seek to make the cure, we look forward to a world founded upon four essential human freedoms. The first is freedom of speech and expression everywhere in the world. The second is freedom of every person to worship God in his own way everywhere in the world. The third is freedom from want, which translated into world terms means economic understandings which will secure to every nation a healthy peacetime life for its inhabitants everywhere in the world. The fourth is freedom from fear which translated into world terms means a worldwide reduction of armaments to such a point and in such a thorough fashion that no nation will be in a position to commit an act of physical aggression against any neighbor anywhere in the world. You know, they really should have turned FDR onto StreamYard back in the day. Man, his his audio sucks. But you know, the funny thing is, <laughs> yeah, he him using radio and harnessing oh, the what, power. It of was radio, magic, man. That was that was the shit. That that <clears throat> he and I always talk about these the new technologies and how people harness them for their you know for their benefit. Mm-hmm. I, uh, we have Obama. He was kind of like the internet president well that's yeah media. that's what they said sure I, it's, it's, a di- it's a difference <laughs> yeah. i mean it's a difference because everybody talked about that um 
his 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 mailing list, his mailing list, you know that kind of thing. I yeah. think he really caught on using the internet. Now Trump, he's a social media right. president, yeah. which is we have to separate those two. Then you go back to television, that would be JFK, because yes. that was a huge reason why he beat Nixon. Yeah, because the way he actually understood optics and you know uh, how you look on television. And going back to FDR, he harnessed the power of the radio where people would sit around and listen to his uh, speeches on the radio um, and it would kind of soothe them and calm them Mm -hmm. uh, in in the times that were going crazy. So that's the that's the four freedoms. And I just like I said, I found it funny that he invoked uh, FDR, but I think he's thinking more of the globalist. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you and, win. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exactly. That's exactly. Well, people forget, you know, they forget all the good. Well, it's, it's for every president. There's always been good and bad things and the things that get taken forward throughout time and are then highlighted. And of course, determine what everyone thinks the guy was. Yeah. I mean, we saw that with Johns Hopkins. Sure. Um, Johns Hopkins doesn't necessarily mean what they stand for today. Right. You, you see, they, they hijack these names, and I just want to make one point before we move on. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the shadow presidency that I think is going on. I don't know where you stand on it, but could it be that Barry O sees himself as FDR? Oh, I think he saw himself as FDR when he was uh, 10 years old. Absolutely. And I'm talking about the long reign, the, the long reign of... um. He had his eight years, and now he, from my perspective, well, did he you had see those him at, four years. Did you see him at COP26? Did you see his, his, his pompous ass up there and the way he was I, orating? I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, um, Totally. That, that's why I can say so. I don't have to think about it. He's, mm-hmm. he's doing an FDR thing right now on the world stage. So we got the, we got, we got the fears in place like FDR had in place. Now here comes the, I think they can't get a uh, great new deal and right now, like a huge thing. So it's like, let's get it piecemeal. And that's where you see these huge bills, uh, the uh, infrastructure bill and other things, trillions of dollars just being handed out all over the place. And I think UBI is part of that as well. I didn't go there in this episode, mm-hmm. but Getting people comfortable with being being home. Oh, I'm I'm all in on that. A couple of things: getting people comfortable with being at home, getting people comfortable with uh, no physical cash. These Mm -hmm. these types of things. That's the kind of stuff that uh, I think is the the stuff we haven't really even gotten to discuss, but it's just there. It's happening. I just think I think the long term picture. They look at it like, hey, well. Even if we had to take a step back, which they had to take a step back with Trump's four years, mm-hmm. we still move forward, right? We'll sure. get Biden in, and then hopefully Kamala get in. She'll do eight. She, he's just going to do what his daddy Bush did, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> daddy Bush. Yes. No, I know. We know We know the bloodlines. We did that yeah, episode. It, it, it's just funny. Like I said, every time, it's amazing how they're just magnetic to each other now. Crazy uh, for one, pre- this is just. A, I'm going to go on a brief tangent, but every time I see it, it just boils my blood to see 
a person campaign that this person's a war criminal <laughs> and then you you're piling around with them you know x amount of years later like everything's cool yeah not nah, it don't work that way <laughs> um what that just goes to show you that that's what i bring that up to say that's why the public are like we don't care what y'all talk about because y'all don't really mean it yes i, I think we got to the point now where the public don't believe none of this now you have your thirty percent that you're talking about that's buy into whatever the mainstream media tells them, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to go that way. But a lot of people just like, eh, it's 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 all BS anyway. Well, again, it's it's thirty percent. Thirty percent are one hundred percent. Thirty percent are one hundred percent all in. Thirty percent are zero percent all in, and then there's forty percent in the middle, which is just going with the with the initial thirty percent. But you know that's where that's where we chip away. They rocking with the winners. <laughs> I, would hope so. I would hope so. I would hope well, so. Well, no, they're just looking to see which side the thirty percent is winning, uh-huh. and they, and they run up on it. They don't really have a stance. That forty percent is like, well, which thirty percent is winning, and we'll throw our weight behind that. Good so, point. Um, yeah, good point. So we stopped. I think eleven. Let's go ahead and get into twelve. This is Biden's vaccine mandates for companies temporarily halted. Meanwhile, the Biden administration's federal vaccine mandate for companies with at least 100 employees was temporarily blocked by a federal appeals court on Saturday. A three-judge panel uh, on on the New Orleans-based Fifth U.S. Circuit, Circuit Court of Appeals said the new rules raise, quote, grave statutory and constitutional issues. The court gave the Justice Department until 5 p.m. today to respond to the lawsuit filed by GOP-led states and businesses. This comes as more than 15 states have filed lawsuits against the administration over its federal max- vaccine mandate for companies. But White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain says he is certain the mandate will still stand. I'm quite confident that when this finally gets fully adjudicated, not just a temporary order, right. uh, the the validity of this requirement will be upheld. It's common right. sense, Chuck. If OSHA can tell people to wear a hard, hard hat on the job, right. to be, be careful on chemicals, it can put, put, put in place these simple measures to keep our workers safe. All right, let's bring in right now State Attorney for Palm Beach County, Dave Ehrenberg, and former prosecutor Charles Coleman. Charles, you know, uh, people look at this ruling, they may see the headlines and go, oh my gosh, this is a huge setback for the Biden administration. But we we, we need to put some context here. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, I can't believe you watch Morning Joe. That's so harsh. I mean, you should get danger pay for that alone. Uh, <laughs> I, ha- I, have to, I have to go where the uh, story leads me. I know. But uh, with you heard what he said. If you read the headlines... And that's why I made a big deal about the previous headline, winning Biden vax mandate gets winning. Mm-hmm. Like it's already won. Right. Winning Biden vax mandate gets shot in the arm from SCOTUS. Now, days later, they come with this headline, Biden's vaccine mandate for uh, companies temporarily halted. <laughs> yeah. For by, f- federal yeah. appeals. Yeah. So, mm, I mean, how does that work? Because <laughs> what people... P- do is they read the headlines and they might watch the first minute of the video and then like yeah. oh send it out like oh it's halted or it's shot in the arm was winning then, yeah. and they're fighting for that 40 percent that you highlighted to see which way they can get them to swing yeah headlines will do it because m- most people only read headlines pass it on and even if they do click on it it's usually a paywall they never get to the story 
Right. They they leave just enough above the paywalls. So yeah, yeah. Read. To get the important so information, to get the truth, get the truth first. The facts are always up top, people. Yep. It is like well, if, you can, if you don't want to pay, then you just we got you. You read what you you read what we wanted you to read. Yep. Um. So let's talk Virginia for a minute. I don't think me and you had a chance to talk Virginia. I okay. think Virginia had a lot to do with this halt with states, red states putting their big boy pants on and saying, hold up, the people might be, don't want this. Oh, it was uh, the huge uh, shot in the butt for, and and you say red states because it was a political uh, boost and all Mm -hmm. politics I've learned now. I mean, the president of the United States, there you go. The president went there. The vice president went there. The former president Obama went there. Everybody was there. Everybody was doing everything they could to pull this jamoke over the finish line, and they couldn't do it because local rules. And when the and you don't need a whole nation. You just get you know you, as long as you can organize. This case, it, it, it looked to be parents, and parents were bringing it together. And now that's the blueprint, or as you say, you know, flip on the Xerox, let's go. Mm-hmm. And even the um, Democratic media, Democrat. Uh, infused media was saying, "Well, now, now the Republicans have have a um, have a blueprint." So I'll say, "Yeah, that's totally good." But I I don't give Republicans any break. Screw them; they're just as bad as the rest. They see political gain. Now they get into action. Oh, and, and this whole CRT thing—I didn't make mention of this aspect of it, but CRT or combating CRT was a Trojan horse or the beta run. For these vax mandates and mass mandates. Agreed. See, they they couldn't come in there saying, oh, we're anti-mass, we're anti-vax, you're not going to vax our kids. So it's like, you're not going to teach my kids critical race theory. You know, and everything, and that's the ownership of the kids. That's mm-hmm. why the ownership of the kids was the, the, the key argument. Who owns the kids? Does the state own them? Right. Then we can jab them. Or does the parent own them? <laughs> you can't jab <laughs> yes, them. Yes, yes, yes. Use and they use critical race theory as the uh, proxy argument. It's, it was really about those masks. And, and, and you notice that's why the um, approval waited to after the um, election. After the election, yes. Uh, uh, not just the, the no, the, uh, I believe Pfizer even held back on saying that they had a viable candidate until after the election. Mm-hmm. It, it was that disgusting. It's like, oh, we can so, hold off so, a couple of weeks. Who cares? You know, let's just see what. No unnecessary deaths here. Blows. Yeah, no unnecessary deaths here. But okay. But yeah, Virginia was a, a battleground state in a sense of, you know, where it's it's a middle ground state. The reason why the way it's constructed, you have a lot of rural areas <laughs> all over, and you have this large population bubble right at the top of the state I, I, adjacent to I know Virginia you, and Maryland. I know you didn't vote. I mean, excuse me, D.C. and Maryland. I know you didn't vote in the previous election. I was just curious, since you live in the area, did you vote in this Virginia election? I did not. Mm-hmm. But least, I'll say consistent. this. You're consistent. Did you go to a school I, board I, meeting? I did not. Okay. The reason why I didn't, I took my kids out of school. Ah, yes. <laughs> you did one better you know than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. If I don't get what I want for my money, I'm not going to, my thing is this, I didn't want to have to put my kids in and have to take them out 
once they were saying this decision is made, right. I could kind of read the tea leaves. I've been preparing for being getting mandated yeah. <laughs> um, because I can read the tea leaves. Um, so it's it's not out of just like all oh, uh, apathy to say, oh, you know, nothing's going to change. No, this is what more parents need to do. Oh, totally. And, and I know a lot. I know a lot can't. And this is why we had the conversation about hybrid. I think if communities work together, hey, I can get out this day, I'll run school. You get out that day, you run school. Um, but it'll have to be a collective of people in neighborhoods and communities to have each other's backs. Because a lot of people, both parents have to work. Luckily, I've been working from home uh, and my wife, she hasn't worked because she worked in the healthcare field. So it's like, we're not going to put you in the undue risk. We'll just go without. <laughs> That's the kind of thing right. we've been doing. It's like, no, we'll just we'll just go without. Uh no vacations, no whatever, but you're not going to work. Um no. Uh and and that's that's this is what's gonna have to happen to and I'm speaking to my people that the pro choice people. With choice comes responsibility. Uh you're big on this, Adam. If you don't like social media, build your own. That's right. <laughs> if you if you don't like whatever, build your own. This is where we're going to have to be at uh, for my pro-choice people because we do live in a capitalistic society. If my job said, if my job said, you know what? Uh, you don't want to get a jab, you're fired. Fine. That's your choice as a uh, as a business, right? As a bit, you're, you're a cap, we live in a capitalist society. Fine. But when you, uh, get in this cabal and it kind of do this price fixing kind of thing like <laughs> none of us are going to hire anybody that's not vaxxed right that's the problem i have with it no because i want every people to compete i want the guy to third or fourth in competition to say you know what let me get some of those vax guys you know what i'm saying let me uh yeah. let me cherry pick off but that's business that's capitalism but as you said a lot of companies are kowtowing to the government and, and it's a circular thing like who really well, runs the country it's, <laughs> it's not even the government it's uh it's it's really the um uh, it's the big uh, hedge funds investment firms uh, pension funds uh, all run under this uh, this new, it's called ESG investing it's a super real mm-hmm. thing and and you know down the road we're going to see that all of this kind of ties in it all ties in the vac- man- mandatory vaccinations creating more da- data about people uh, uh, particularly health data, moving that more towards climate change. Um, with, you know, we're go- this is not stopping. This is you know, everyone who is compliant now will be compliant for the climate lockdowns, which will come. And I think it'll come in the f- the one thing they learned from this whole experience is keeping those numbers up on the screen on the right, you know, right fifth of the screen. How many mm-hmm. dead? You know, why not just have a counter there? Climate deaths today. Well, this is where I have faith in people. When they start limiting how many times you can charge your phone in a day, mm-hmm. when those kind of things hit, no, but it won't. <laughs> no, 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 it won't be that. It won't be that. It's going to be. Uh, you should not have any more real beef this month. You've already used up too much carbon from cow farts. You need to have some uh, some three D printed beef. That's how it's going to happen. Even then, I don't think the young people are going to go. I think, and I know I say I think a lot, but <laughs> this is, I believe 
that the young people are looking around. They're in that 40% to say which side is the popular thing to say until it impacts them. Yeah, I did, uh, yes. Until you tell them they can't have any more Chick-fil-A. Right. <laughs> until you tell them they can't have any more Starbucks. Until you can't all these products. Well, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, no. Yeah. The Starbucks yeah. and the Chick-fil-A will be continue to be encouraged. They will not. No, no, no. That will be encouraged. That's all process. That's all crap. That's part of the system. No, I'm talking about some some real food. Well, then you have the, you know, the, I think the young people have a better understanding of food than older people. We'll see. We'll see. I, I have, I, I just, I, I believe, I believe that. I, I, I truly believe that. Sure. Um, but no, I, I have, I have faith in the older millennials. I think they're, they're in that 40%. A lot of them, mm-hmm. you know, 25 to 35. It, it really hasn't hit home yet. And no, like I said, no. just but, for me. But I'm, you I'm don't, but that, you, but I, when it hit, hits home, right. But when it hits home, people got to be aware I hope it's not too late because now we can it's still stop it. It's now we can still it's, stop it. It's never too late. I believe that. I I, I think that's why. And, and you know what tells me that is the way they're, excuse my language, but pussyfooting around it. Well, if they you got the juice. Yeah. Pull, you don't yeah. do it. Yeah. No, if, it was, if they had the juice, if they had the juice, they wouldn't need all the propaganda. That's obvious. They're not right. done at all. It's not. They are not done for by a long shot, but the marketing, the marketing is there, and the marketing is going to sp- continue to spin up. And I don't even think they have the funding for it. Not yet. It, it, and let me let me tell you why, Mick. I don't think we ever discussed this, right? And I just, I'll make make it quick. There's only two groups of people. There's the more people group, more people is good for business, or less people is good for business. <laughs> That's the only two groups. It is. <laughs> Yes, well, the elites, the less people is good for business. Uh, they have chosen to have, if you listen to COP26, and I watched a lot mm-hmm. of the sessions, the whole idea is this climate change, all these trillions of dollars, that's going to come from commercial companies, you see. But the old money, and see, this this is where I get to the point of, more cars, more gas, more people, more children. That's been our business model. That has been our business model since the beginning of time. Now, you come with this, not you, but the less people party comes and say, you know what? If we kill off everybody, um, now it's crazy. Now, hear me out. Not, and I'm not you, but this is how they're selling it. I know it sounds crazy, but we can have more with less. More with less. And the money sitting around like, that sounds good, but we've done business like this for 300, 400, 500 years. More babies, more people, more gas, more cars, you know what I'm saying? More tires, more, you know, and that's the way we've done business. And I think they're doing their sales pitch right now to say, trust me, less people will be good. And and it's really the big money. They're sitting back and saying, ah, well, let's see. Make your proposal. And they're not convinced. I don't like I said, if it was if they were convinced, we'll all be cooked. The reason we'll all be Australia right now. Yes. Yeah, so, so it will be possible for a long time. The reason why I'm not so bullish as you are is because mm-hmm. the ESG investing goes anti bottom line. It is not about making more profit. And it is a thing and it has been uh shoved into the uh, public markets mainly as it's an attack 
And all these CEOs and all these companies know, and of course, if you look at the, just look at any news story, you cannot, as a, as a pension fund, as a, an endowment, uh, at any kind of investment firm with partners you know, or uh, constituents, you cannot invest in ExxonMobil. It is not allowed because of the ESG investing rules. Even though, even though right now, you know, you'd be making bank because the price of oil almost doubled in, in 24 months, you cannot invest in them. So, so that has been our business and I'm totally with you on that. But this woke, uh, paradigm has taken over Wall Street and people are just going along with it. And half the people, I know people on boards. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Said, no, 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 ESG is real. We have all these different things, and BlackRock has nothing to do with it. I send them three articles, like, holy crap. Oh, that's interesting. But, you made my point. You made the point I was trying to get to. They're showing numbers. Like, look at this graph, and look at this algorithm. They're saying this is good. And, you know, yeah, but, it, but it's, now, but it's not profit. Yes. Ex- yeah. ah, but they're not showing profit. They're not showing it in the same way. They're saying... This is the market we will create, which will be, you know, renewable, so-called, you know, solar panels, wind, whatever, electricity, wires, all these different things. But they are forcing, forcing commercial companies to make these investments, I believe, against their better judgment. That, that's my point. That, that's, that's, you got to the point I'm making. It's against their better judgment. Okay. And it's, it's, and it's a very fragile situation right now because... What if people say, you know what? Screw it. Screw it. I mean, just screw all of it. Um, well, that's possible. Old money, that's possible. The old money is going to say, well, wait, hold on here. <laughs> hold on here a minute. And we saw a glimpse of this, a blip of this with Trump in office. It was like they were headed that way until Trump said, yeah, bring your trillions on back to America. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We won't tax you. Yeah. And it was like, oh, that's the best money move. And all these people operate off of his money. Yeah. That's it. That's all. And they don't care about the climate. They don't care about the seals. Well, when, the- when you say the the people, and, and I'm looking at corporate governance, um, everybody wants one thing. Share buyback so the price goes up. Everyone's invested right. in that. They don't care. It's not about if the bo- the bottom line has to influence the stock price. That's what it is. But yeah, you don't need the bottom about, line. Yeah. But you don't need a bottom line to have a to have the stock price go up. You just need to have enough access to free money so you can buy your own stock. Well, there is a number we got to get to a little later. We'll get we'll get there. But I think we stopped at twelve or mm-hmm. thirteen now. We're thirteen. Uh-huh. 13, let's go. Yeah, good morning, Jonathan. I agree with Charles. The Fifth Circuit has the reputation of not just being the most conservative federal appellate court, but also the most political and also the least tethered to precedent. Remember, this is the same court that refused to intervene in the notorious Texas abortion law that allowed that to go into effect, mm-hmm. the one that creates vigilante justice to get around Roe Ro versus Wade. And here, they're uh, doing the opposite. They're actually intervening using a different uh, rule instead of just going through this traditional way of issuing a preliminary injunction. They just said, hey, we find there are grave statutory and constitutional issues here. And so they're acting pretty political. You can see why the Supreme Court, where uh, Chief Justice Roberts has expressed concerns about politics, that this could exacerbate the public perception of the court as just politicians wearing black robes. Um, And I 
do think the U.S. <laughs> Supreme Court will reinstate the mandate after the Fifth Circuit does away with it, because first, it's not really a mandate. I mean, this is something that allows an opt-out for people who are unvaccinated to go ahead and just get tested weekly for COVID. And secondly, there's the 1905 Jacobson ruling, where the Supreme Court said that vaccine mandates at the state and local level are constitutional. Justice That's Harlan, the one. in a 7-2 to ruling, said that one person's liberty does not override everyone mm-hmm. else's. Now, we're not totally sure if that ruling will apply to a federal vaccine mandate, but this Supreme Court doesn't seem to have too much sympathy for anti-vaxxers, as evidenced by Justice Barrett's ruling for Indiana University in August against students who complained about the vaccine mandate there. Yeah, there you go. That was the case I was talking about, the Jacobson case. Mm-hmm. But see how they play it? Oh, yeah, it's constitutional. Mm-hmm. But you hear the nervousness in their voice? Totally. They, they, they understand that this is their last shot. So they got to go for it all. Um, with the information age that we live in, when you actually go and look for facts, you can find them. So they're in a weird spot right now with the uh, independent medias like we do here and all, all over. It's like, screw, uh, screw your cable package. I'll go watch YouTube for free. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. YouTube, no, I'll go to, I'll go to, I'll go to, uh, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's a whole long list of them. Oh, you don't want me there? Okay. You know what I'm saying? That's the where that's, that's where they don't want people at. The beautiful thing about America is they want you fat, dumb, and happy. That's about it, brother. And we're not happy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it don't feel good to save the planet. I know, I, I know, yeah, I, I said it. It doesn't feel good to save the planet if this is what it costs. It's going to cost me. I'm thinking just like the people at the top are thinking. No, uh-uh, no. I'm looking, I'm saying, no, uh-uh. I don't care about, you know, how great my 401k look because you're investing in sustainable. I don't care. Give me my gas. I don't want an electric car. And I think it's a severe miscalculation that they don't understand the psychology of average people. Well, yeah, they don't. <laughs> they, don't. They, they This is what happens. They don't care. When you don't have. They actually they do understand it. They just don't care. And I liken this. You watch Mad Men. I watch Mad Men. You mm-hmm. remember the old the the guy that was I forget his name. He was an alcoholic. He cleaned himself up, and uh, he was a copywriter. And yes. he would he, remember he would tell them like, oh, sell the product because women want to get married. And they went all around the way around the block doing studies and blah, blah, blah. This They don't have any more of those guys in the room. Those older guys that say, you know what? That's not good. I've seen that before. That's not going to work. What they've done is they brought in all these new people with all their new ideas with no proof. That's right. I work with these people. No, no sight against them. I'm a, I guess I'm a late millennial, 1980. I don't know where I fall at. I'm a, uh, I'm a late uh, millennial with boomer tendencies. Um, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I was raised, helped raised by my grandparents, so that that that's where you get the boomer. Yeah, of course. Right, I, I got. I'm heavy on the boomer. Um, <laughs> but that's it. Doesn't make sense. And it's like, trust me, it it it'll, it'll make it, it, that's how they're trying to sell it to us. And especially people my age, we're looking like, hold on, you want to fire people. Right, like that's the like they don't understand workers' code. The last thing you do as a worker is want to fire somebody. They don't get that, and everybody's laying real low. I'll bet. 
can't because yeah, especially with the boom, boom, uh, boom, I said boomer talk, the booster talk. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, oh, okay, yeah, like how, what's your number? I'm asking everybody now, what's your number? Write your number down. We right. three boosters, four boosters, ten boosters. <laughs> yeah, just just get ready. <laughs> when you hit your number, you'll be on my side, and and it's not out of trying to win you on my side, but that's just the reality of the situation that they're going to keep pushing this until we stand up. And I don't think. I don't think they understand who we are. We've gone along to get along. I'm telling you, don't, don't. I think Ice Cube said, I ain't no killer, but don't push me. Or that Tupac. You're like, don't, don't, you know what I'm saying? Don't, uh, don't push me. I'm close to the edge. Is that, you see it. And we, like I said, we've been at the bottom for a long time. Everybody about to start joining us and feel like the, what the bottom really feels like. Brother, I'm unva- and, and I'm un- I'm unvaxxed at the bottom right there with you. And the, what the bottom I'm talking about is so-called black people. Because the real, to be honest with you, no, I don't get to people, ride that bottom. Not yet. No, you don't want to ride it. But I'm just saying, <laughs> black people have in the back of their mind, like, what if I get fired today? What if somebody says something I really don't like and I have to say something back? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a, that's a... I wouldn't say a daily thought, but it crossed your mind. Like, what would I do? I think, and, and I, I think everybody's starting to see that now. Well, I, you say I, something that people don't like, I, I you would, might get fired. I would say, and this only goes along with your prediction, you're first, I would say that there are men all over the country who have that thought every single day. If you say one yeah. more thing about men, one more thing about, you know, this, whatever it is, cis, cis het, whatever the, it is. Mansplaining. St- stop it. Those, yeah. yeah. That's uh, that's a real thing. That's of course you know and we and we have uh, in you know we have a chemical composition that you know anger is a part of our being. That's what men have. So yeah, the, especially when they talk there. about mama bear, they talk about mama bear. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I've seen Y'all this. Haven't al- seen nothing until you seen Papa Bear. I, thank you very awesome. much. Thank you very much. You're so right. Because and I and I love the whole mama bear vibe, and it's fine. But yeah, Papa Bear. That's that's. Beware, because if you watch Animal Planet or any of these shows, like the hyenas come and they attack the women on the pride and the lion pride. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like they'll handle their business, <laughs> but when they let out that certain call, yeah, there's there's the papa. When you let out that certain call, here come you're saying here comes Simba over. You're saying uh, across <laughs> the pride, and he and he kick everybody ass. That's Excuse right. my language, yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. that's the power of Mama Bear because she has that call to say. All right, daddy. All right, like we we done took all we could take. You know what I'm saying? That's the only I'm telling you. I hear now, you. Mama Bear is powerful because she's the only thing that's holding civility together right now. Because mm-hmm. you talk about my kids starving. All right, I mean, do you really want to go there? I'm, I'm just asking. Do y'all written? And I'm not saying it in a violent way. I'm saying that is where does it stop? There's <laughs> like, a lot of men out here. Some going to go to the bottles. Go. Some going to go to other things. And then some is going to be like, you know what? Okay. And it's going to be some that build new things. Yeah, yeah. It's, the pressure is going to create some diamonds too. So I'm not, I'm not, you know what I'm saying, completely uh, doomed out. But I'll just say to both sides, like, be careful this this beautiful system that we have. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it has flaws, this beautiful system that we have, do you really want to break it, old money? I'm talking to you, old money. Do y'all really want to risk it on the less people? They really don't give a shit, Mo. Sorry. I think they they care because the bottom line. I'm appealing to the line. I think at a certain point, bottom line may not matter. But okay. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. 
That's how I see it. But let's go ahead and get to 14. Charles, this is about companies being able to have a safe workplace. I'm trying to understand what's unconstitutional about it. I mean, is there any potential that the those pushing against this mandate for businesses with, what, 100 employees or more? That's a lot of businesses across the country that want to be back to work at full capacity and getting this economy back on track. Well, what I found interesting about this case is that what they used as a means of trying to argue this wasn't necessarily a matter of should they be able to do it. It was a a question of the authority under OSHA because OSHA essentially made this regulation or approved this regulation under emergency authority. I don't know that that's going to be enough down the line, particularly Mm -hmm. given what we've seen in terms of COVID and the economy and the work and the the amount of strain that is placed on different workspaces in order to try to get this vaccine mandate uh, uh, done away with. I don't think that's going to be enough because the cost has been so great on the American people and so great on the country that more than likely what the court is going to do is basically validate that OSHA did have the authority to in fact uh, make this ruling and, and, and support what the Biden administration is trying to do. Dave Ehrenberg. Boy, it's going to be a real oh, rage. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead, I'm sorry, Mika. You, get, you go. I'm just saying that the Delta variant is still actually, it's you know still very much a part of our lives. We have got many months to go at the rate that we're going right now in order to have COVID behind us. These mandates are proven to work. Look at New York City. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, Prince works. Look at New York City. And she said the quiet part out loud. Yes, she in the did. First 10, <laughs> 10 seconds of that clip. If you listen again, if you Charles, want to just play it right. Charles, this is about companies being able to have a safe workplace. So I'm trying to understand what's un- unconstitutional that's, that's, about that's, it. I mean, a safe workplace. That's the whole point right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get, the, get the slaves back to work. Yeah. We need them back in the building. That's that's the real and and I blame mid level management for this because they go in there they don't meet their goals for the quarter of the half of the year and they say you know if my guys was here on site <laughs> it would be so would, much better yeah we would have hit our goal you know it's just you know it's, they're not here on site so that's that's what's pushing that's why I said all this hinges on the bottom line mm-hmm. because these companies are like we need our people back into the building because this is why we're not making our numbers which is not true. Which is not No, true. it's the opposite as far as I'm concerned. Right. I haven't had a better work-life balance, you know what I'm saying, outside the COVID thing, you know what I'm saying, ever. Because I can work for a few hours, I can go, you know, hang out with kids for two hours and go back to work, and I'm working later than I normally work. Um, it, You know, it allows you to break your day up. Like, if you're in the building for eight hours and you leave, I'm home. Don't bother me. Mm-hmm. You know, but <laughs> now it's like, okay, one hand scra- washes the other. If you need me to be here a little later, I'll take off in the middle of the day and then I'll come and log in a little later and do what needs to be done. But it's this mid-level management that's blaming the people not being there for their failures. It's very re- re- very reminiscent of mid- mid-level um, state or city government. Same way. Same we issue. need more money for why is the federal government looking like we gave you $2 billion? Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it just kind of got away from us. We need more. So I'm I'm just pointing that out. But she kind of pumped the brakes on saying they're in a weird spot right now because they want to say, well, the Delta variant is trending down, but they still need to keep pressure applied. So at the end of that clip, last clip, she was like, well, the 
Delta variant is going to kind of be with us for a while. Mm-hmm. And the reason why she said that is in the 1480s, a little short clip. This is how they led this segment off. I think we're close to the end of this. This Delta wave is the last major wave of infection. We've always said that two of the events that would demarcate the end of this pandemic was being able to vaccinate our children. We're now able to do that down to age five and also having a widely available or orally accessible drug that could treat coronavirus at home Mm -hmm. to prevent people from being hospitalized or dying. Yeah. Okay. so first of all, let's just consider the source of this 19 second intro. Uh, This is Scott Gottlieb, former FDA commissioner who left the FDA during the Trump administration and went straight to Pfizer on the board. Yep. And he's he's telling us the vax is great. This is what we wanted. Delta's gone. Nothing else. There's no scientific evidence that's been published that proves that. And he says, and, you know, and of course, we've got a great pill coming up. Another Pfizer product. He said it's the last major wave. How can you be so cavalier and confident to say the Delta? <laughs> yeah, he's from the it's FDA, the- man. He knows these things. He got the crystal ball. Yeah, so now you heard why she said, how she had to say it like, uh, it's, she wanted to say that, oh, De- Delta variant's killing us. Mm-hmm. But then she had to remember like, uh, <laughs> oh, what's, no, what's that's narrative? right. No, <laughs> because the timing of the pill, <clears throat> the timing of the pill is how the variant ends. So now I, I firmly believe the pill is... Uh, that's the Pfizer's end strategy. Yes, they will come up with uh, boosters every six months, but I think the the pill is there. It's it's like a subscription donation, you know. It's like let's just get a let's get a cut a couple hundred million people on the, on this thing. Two thousand two thousand dollars a month. <clears throat> but we ruined the <clears throat> excuse me. We ruined the rollout for the, uh, the pill for them. That's what I'm saying. With the power, I'm I'm not dooming today, and I'm not glooming. The power is in our hands. Once people start saying uh, ivermectin, mm-hmm. it's like, shit, we got to ramp up the pill. You know, it's like they're talking about our competition. We don't really want to talk about it right now, but we got to. So their whole timeline is thrown off. They, I'm sure they didn't want to talk about this pill. They're talking about for a while now. Why would you want to have, why yeah. would you want to have conflicting products on the market? We got the vaccine going. We got the government buying it hand over fist. You know what I'm saying? Four or five shots out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I, I think the, the, this is their hedge. You know, the last thing they want is uh, is people to really turn against the vaccine. They need an alternative. So it may be a hedge, maybe the strategy. I understand what you're saying. And, and like I said, I think it was a hedge, but I don't think they were really play that card yet. But when you have somebody like Rogan come out, and then you have somebody like Aaron Rodgers come out. Time to accelerate. It's like, damn it. Like, I mean, we wanted to get at least, you know, four or five shots out this booster. Yeah, what's your number? Saying, what's your number? <laughs> right. What's your number? Now we go to the supply chain. Retail CEOs are telling consumers to start shopping for the holidays now, and this time it's not a marketing technique. For the first time, there's a kink in every link in the supply chain. We've seen shutdowns in areas in China, shutdowns in in warehousing and trucking facilities in the United States. Couple the logistics nightmare with strong consumer spending, four times higher than typical in July. Jay Foreman is the CEO of Basic Fun, which sells Care Bears, Connects, Tonka trucks, and more to retailers like Amazon, Walmart, and Kohl's. The transportation and the supply chain can't keep up with the demand. There's not enough containers. There's not, not enough ships. There's not enough trucks. There's not enough warehousing to hold everything that everybody wants to buy. 
this year. The tight logistics makes the transportation of goods much more expensive. Last year, around this time, the typical container cost roughly just under $2,000. Right now, we're seeing cost increases up over $20,000 per container. And each container, we can fit about 10,000 units. And Ann Harper, CEO and founder of OMG Accessories, uses around 200 containers per year. The inflated prices are costing her an extra $2 million to get her backpacks and accessories to retailers from Nordstrom to TJ Maxx. Hmm. Yep. This is where I think they're going to use the unvaccinated people. Okay. We're going to be the people that broke Christmas. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so obvious, yes. We're going to be the people that broke Christmas because they need a patsy. They This supply chain thing is a problem. It's been a problem. Uh, we've seen the, uh, <laughs> them taking <clears throat> folding chairs and <clears throat> actually unfolding them and putting them on shelves. We've seen even them hanging cards. <laughs> Of, of what was on the shelves on the shelves <clears throat> excuse me um they need a scapegoat and they're going to use us for who broke the supply chain if these people would have only came to work you know uh christmas wouldn't have been ruined right well that's uh i think uh, i heard our oh, i think i heard both our Energy Secretary and Transportation Secretary say something to the effect of the only way the supply chain problem ends is when everyone's vaccinated. That's the, yeah, because they want to blame the reason. They're not saying it because they believe that. No, I no, I'm, I'm, I'm with that, you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm strengthening the, the argument. The, the real reason is because they've encouraged people not to work. Yes. Well, that's one and, of the real and reasons. Now it's, yeah. Now the slack has caught caught up because as you, people commonly saying, I don't know how true it is. We only have about four or five days worth of food on the on the shelves in grocery stores. Um, when you have a Black Friday, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be interesting. And people just go and buy out everything, everything, and you can't stock. See, I've like I said, I've worked just about every job imaginable, and I've been a stock guy. Um, not not Wall Street. But uh, actually stocking shelves, um, and you got to get those shelves stocked back up as fast as they get unloaded, especially around Black Friday. Mm -hmm. So you have like pallets sitting in the middle of the floor of stuff ready to go on the shelves on anticipation. I'll I'll tell you one better, Mo. I'll tell you there's going to be nothing on Black Friday because they're going to open up early on Thursday. It's going to get cleaned out Thursday night. Then what? Yeah, Then we're going to see some pretty angry people. They're going to blame us. Yes, of course. Of course. If only you would have came to work. Yep. But but these clips I have are from way, like months ago when uh when the uh supply chain was not months ago, but like beginning of the month, maybe two months ago. Um, I have about six clips from three different sources. They're going to blame us that if these people would have just came to work, none of this would happen. But we're, what we have to understand is how Christmas supports the rest of the year. Oh, it's it's the in, in America, it's the time of year. And you talk about mama bear? Now you now you want to talk about mama bear. Let it not let them babies not have no Christmas. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna come, be this is gonna be a problem. Come hook a crook. <laughs> and I can I can only speak for my culture. Uh 
I don't care what your economic status is. The baby's got to have Christmas. There's something under the tree. There's a tree. You, first, yeah, first of all, you got to have a tree. Mm-hmm. I don't care if his family got a pool in. It's like, yeah, you know, you know how Teresa is. You know what I'm saying? That, <laughs> and baby's got to have Christmas. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You, you kicking the money. And that's like every kid has to wake up with something under the tree for Christmas. Y- y'all really want to play this game where it won't be no Christmas? No. You you thought those school meeting boards were bad. We've, <laughs> we've stampeded. We have traffic scotted people over, you know what I'm saying, Teddy Rupskins and, and Tickle Me Elmo's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Somebody dies every Black Friday from being trampled. At every least Black one. Friday. Yeah. At least at one. Least one. Mm-hmm. And what? now you want to say the stores are empty? Is that, re- is that really what you want to do? And that's why they're pushing this thing. Get your Christmas shopping done early. Get your Christmas shopping done early because they're trying to spread that out. Because as humans do, we always wait till the last minute to go shopping. That's just the habit of, <laughs> especially of, you know, especially humans with a penis. Uh, this is what a, we do well, very I was, well. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't going to gender it, but no, I'll gender but, but, it. I'll gender it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we do. It's like ah, I got to go get something. Like last uh, night, the, the night before Christmas. Yeah, I just got to go there, 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 and Toys R Us. Oh no, that's close. Yeah, and it didn't become a game. Like, let me see if I can get this all done on Christmas Eve. You know that kind of thing. But just imagine if these stores are empty on the day after Black Friday. Mm-hmm. I mean, empty. Empty. So, I think I mean, it's possible. I, 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 yeah, I, I see. I see you. I think it's very possible. I, I laid out what I think, and now we're going to listen to the next four or five clips to see if it if it supports what my uh, narrative is. Number sixteen. Typically, when we bring in products from overseas, it takes roughly about thirty days um, to get to our warehouse in California. Uh, right now, with all the delays that we're experiencing, uh, we're seeing anywhere from six to eight plus weeks delay. Put it all together, empty shelves and higher prices are inevitable. When 40 or 50 percent of the cost of the product is in the freight, that's going to eventually have to t- either tilt over to the consumer with higher prices or in some cases suppliers will decide to stop producing some of these products because they can't bring them in profitably carl it's already an issue for back to school and ann harper warns this black friday consumers may not see the deep discounts that they're used to the good news is because all the players in the supply chain are working together to absorb these higher costs the consumer should only see price increases between three percent and fifteen percent on the high end that is if you can find what you're looking for. Yeah, that may be a big if, Courtney. I know it's dangerous to guess, but how long might this supply chain nightmare last? That's a great question, Carl. I asked so many people that question, and most of the experts and people that are working through this are predicting at least through the spring of 2022, if not longer. Yeah, That's not going to get it. <laughs> no. <laughs> and you heard him say, well, you're going to, and I want people to pay attention to this. I think we're going to see Black Friday not a thing on a main, on a major scale because they can't allow that run on the stores to happen. That's going to expose everything, in my thinking. If you have that, you can't replace back fast enough what the people came in bought in bulk or came in you know impulse buying. I think they're going to have to say, well, you know, we're not going to have that many Black Friday sales. Here's the, only, the, he's the, the only, he's the only reason I would maybe contradict 
the great reset, okay. the, the great reset that is the World Economic Forum, that is, that's, that's really the, the less people people. Mm-hmm. Um, less people, more money. They want a great reset, but you can't reset anything until something's completely broken. So I, unfortunately, like your theory so much, I think they will encourage the stores to be empty Friday. I think they will encourage the shelves to be empty. I really do. And I don't disagree with you, except for one reason, is do they understand the ramifications of that? Like, this is not going to be just, oh, well, the stores are empty. I'm just going to go home now. No. We've seen women harm each other physically yeah. over the last Tickle Me Elmo. Yeah, but doesn't Do you? Yeah, but that plays into less people more for us. I'm I'm a little but more cynical. I I think they they had totally have it in them, and I think they they know the risk, and I think they're fine with it. But I think it's a miscalculation. That's my oh, point. Okay. I'm not saying they won't do it. I'm just saying, like, I'm gonna get, go back to Chris Critical Race Theory. It seemed like a good idea to put uh, pedophilic books in the library it, 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 when you were game planning it. It seemed like a good idea. Ah, and okay. wake up, uh, all right, all right. Hold morning. on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so now let me just let me just separate it. So we need to okay. separate the uh, the money people, uh, the the less people, more money people from the execute from the politicians. Politicians will kind of just do what 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 they're guided to do and yes mm-hmm. i don't think the politicians understand not at all and they have no idea and that will certainly change uh, political landscape in many places that's what they're they're, they're cutting their nose out despite their face yeah I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that yes but that's politicians I, I that's the politicians <laughs> i think the agenda is to have this happen i think the politicians are so stupid they're going to go along with it because you know why and this and this is completely speculation Completely speculation. But when you have a room full of aunts and uncles with no kids, oh, yeah, let's ruin Christmas. <laughs> I mean, because that's what it is. I mean, when I'm saying my aunts and uncles, you see this archetype on Christmas commercials. Like, be the best aunt. Be the best uncle. Buy your nieces and nephews exactly what they want. Right. So they don't understand that pressure <laughs> of buying your kids what they want on Christmas. Oh no! This most is, most of these people have no no kids. That's their miscalculation. Okay, I ring the bell for that. Mama will drive to five stores to find that one toy that their kids want, mm-hmm. and it, it ain't. And I'm telling you, it's not going to be. Oh well, we get it to you on the twenty seventh. That ain't going to work. <laughs> it's all <a> layaway. <laughs> that, that is not going to work at all. I mean, I've been around Christmas long enough, and I've been a father of four for 18 years now. You want, like I said, you want to make you want to make somebody make a mama mad? Mess up Christmas. Well, mess up Christmas, and it will also maybe maybe to be you know to play the devil's advocate here. Maybe it will also be a bit of a wake up call that we should be considering things that are really important, even for Christmas. And we may need to reset some of our values in that regard. Because I understand, and you're right, Mama Bear will go anywhere to buy that one piece of plastic shit from from China. 
maybe mm-hmm. Mama Bear needs to evaluate down the road, not right away, but down the road. Is like, was it really all worth that? Is that really what's going to yes. make my family yes. happy and healthy and, yes. and prosper- uh, prosperous? Yes. Because it's biological. That's my hope. No, I'm saying it, you, you asked the question, is it worth it? Yes. Because it's the biological response that the mother gets from their children being completely happy. It has nothing to do about the plastic crap. We all know it's plastic overpriced crap. We get that. We stay up all night putting this plastic crap together. So your kid or our kids can have that one magical uh, day each year. That's the high, man. That's the high. (laughs) I'm telling you. That is the high. All right, fair enough. And they're they're playing with that. I'm telling you. They're okay. I'm just warning. I'm just warning them. Oh no, I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm with you, but I think it's they're going to go all the way. They're too stupid. I hope they are. And wouldn't the irony be that Christmas saves us all? That would, Woo! <laughs> now you're talking. That would Christmas save Christmas. Christmas save the world instead of how the world saved Christmas. Ooh, I like uh, it. It kind of fits with the. Uh, the, the oh, it I like this. I like this. Maybe uh, maybe we should uh, write the screenplay. Get this in early. I like it. Jim Carrey. He could do something in there. I'm sure. Uh, so now have him we play Nancy get- Pelosi. Be beautiful. <laughs> Uh, now we got to get to uh, the economic impact of the holidays. They call the day after Thanksgiving Black Friday because that's the day when retail sales swing from red to black. In other words, it's the day when the losses end and the profits start rolling in. But what if Americans decided for one holiday season not to buy a single thing? Exactly how bad would that actually be for the U.S. economy? Well, it probably comes as no surprise that both retail stores and e-commerce vendors would take a big hit. It's projected that a boycott on holiday gifts would amount to more than a half trillion unspent dollars. It would be a particularly blue Christmas for toy companies. Almost half of all toy sales take place during those months. So it's a big chunk of change, but the American economy is massive. The GDP is the combination of all the cars, houses, washing machines, doctor visits, mortgages, and everything else sold in the U.S. Altogether, it comes to more than $16.8 trillion. Just a fraction of that is holiday sales. So then, why do we make such a big deal about them? Hmm, okay. Now you understand why, I mean, you you knew this already. Of course. But for the people listening, uh, that's why Black Friday is Black Friday. And really, when you go, I don't know, do you do much Christmas shopping? I mean, I don't I think you've been out the game for a while. I think you probably only got to get like what, I, one or two gifts. I am a, I'm an excellent gift giver, and I've uh-huh. changed. I've bettered my ways in my third marriage. Now I have more children to buy gifts for. I'm uh-huh. a, Now I'm an orderer, so I, I will order stuff, but I, I rarely will go to a store. But I'm on time. If you go to the stores, what people don't realize is they're selling you all the crap that wouldn't sell all year. <laughs> yes. That's what Black Friday is. That's really what Black is. Friday is. Yeah, of course. That's what, it's like, oh, 32 yeah. inch TV. You're saying $99. It's yeah. like, yeah. It only has like two buttons. It's been written <laughs> off already. It's completely written off merchandise. Yes. And that's why they go from black to, I mean, from red to black. But if you don't have that inventory there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, this is why I'm getting back to the business, folks. If you wake up 
Black uh, uh, Monday after Black Friday and you're still in the red? Yeah, you're dead. Oh, mission failed. Yeah. Less people, less people group. <laughs> you yeah. had one job. Yeah. You you had one job. It sounds nice. It sounds hot to say, oh yeah, we were we we're willing to take the loss for the longer game. No, no, no. No. Nobody's willing to take the loss for the longer game. It sounds really cool. But these money people, they always want to win. This is why they rigged the game. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they really accounted for breaking Christmas. They broke Christmas. And it didn't start this week or last week. It is a uh, total accumulation of not making goals, not making goals, not making ship goals, not making ship goals. Now I can't build this game. I can't build that phone. I can't build this car. I can't less stuff to buy. Mm-hmm. Now people are just going to buy what was on the shelves, what would normally linger around for Black Friday. They're buying that crap up now. There's going to be nothing I'm, left, man. There's going to be. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes. When people from, wake from up. St- when people wake up. Yes. That's what we need. We need that jolt of, yeah, you thought you could just go to the store and buy what you wanted, huh? No, don't work like that. Um, and the reason why I say this, my wife is a big holiday person. She mm-hmm. loves them all. She decorates for them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had a Valentine's Day tree. I, I just, I'll leave it. Okie dokie. Which is kind of cool. You can leave the Christmas tree up for another month. But I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> But that's but it's people out here to look for the holiday. You saw when they try to take Christmas out of Christmas. Oh no, that became a problem. Right. So you're trying to get rid of Christmas itself? Okay. I'm I'm not harping on a point. I'm just trying to stress the importance and the this is why y'all should c- c- consult me and uh Adam <laughs> on these things before y'all go with through with them. I could have been told you ruining Christmas is not a good plan. <laughs> uh I love so I love now, that phrase been told you. I love that. Something about it because I, I heard it from Hotep. Hotep been told you. I love that shit. I love I love the new English. This is great. But we have we mm-hmm. we try to tell people all the time but we get the impact because we're parents. You know, of course. I'm tell uh, they don't get it. They don't have and this is why you need they always talk about diversity. This is why you got to have diversity in the room. You have to have parents in the room. You got to have older people in the room. You just can't have these. And I've saw it coming in industry. It's like these late 20, early, early 30 year olds. Uh, they replace all the older guys and ladies with these people because it's cheaper. I get it. Um, but what you, you, what you lose in that uh, transaction is perspective. Uh, yeah. And I think it probably goes all the way up to the corporate. I'm sure it goes all the way up to corporate America. To go, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Christmas. I, I, don't, I don't even really celebrate Christmas. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah? Okay. Um. So I guess let's finish up with the economic impact, too. So then why do we make such a big deal about them? For one thing, it's because consumer habits during the holidays tell us a lot about how people are doing overall. 
In 2013, the average consumer spent just north of $50,000 a year on everything, from entertainment and food to housing and insurance. It's estimated that between eight and 900 of those dollars are spent on holiday gifts. Tracking how much consumers buy during the holidays can give economists insights into other habits, like whether they're saving money for a rainy day or spending more on entertainment and travel. The other big reason we care about holiday sales is because of all the short-term jobs created from November through January. Retail stores increase their workforce by almost 800,000 people, and shipping companies will add more than 100,000 on top of that. They're largely low-wage positions, but these jobs signal the strength of the overall economy, and they help people afford to buy a few gifts of their own. <laughs> so oh, you want to yeah. need more jobs yeah. with less workers? Yes. It, what could go wrong? You can't, can you really tell me that they consciously gamed all of this? I mean, now the people at the top, I'll give you that. Like, break, I, I agree there's a contingency to break everything. But I think there's a lot of levels in between there that just are just going along with the plan and don't realize what's going about to happen here. Now well, you're telling me I can't work. I actually like yeah. so now now I'm I'm on your side here. I I like this because I'm all about the forty percent. And yeah, that's so the people who are just going along is the forty percent. And Christmas could be a tipping point. They're getting you ready with how, uh, Thanksgiving already. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the most expensive Thanksgiving ever. You know, yes, that yeah. kind of thing. you may not be able to get a turkey. Right, right. Which people don't really dig Thanksgiving like that. I mean, it's big, but not it ain't Christmas. Christmas is the king of all holidays. Yeah, but we got it. Uh, this is the this is the the the, the warm up game. This is the the, the pre show, and, and it's emotional. Yeah, I'm just speaking for myself here. You, we all get the holiday spirit. It is a real thing. Uh, <laughs> yes. you know, it, it, you're going to break that. Okay. Let me see how that works out for you. So now we have CNN. They got Buttigieg. Uh, I think Buttigieg or how <laughs> yeah. you want to pronounce Buttigieg. it. Buttigieg. Yeah, the new, uh, the new uh, father, Buttigieg. Uh, he's going to talk about the supply chain and uh, issues with Christmas. So holiday expectations management as we're looking at. I guess we should say he's the trend. He went from Mayor Pete of a small town in Indiana to uh, transportation secretary. <laughs> I love okay. it. So holiday expectations management, as we're looking at these supply chain issues, how bad are they going to get for Americans? And I'm talking specifically, you know, leading here into the December holidays where people are relying on getting goods, on getting presents. Well, I think there's always been two kinds of Christmas shoppers. There's the ones who have all their list completed by Halloween, and then there's people like me who show up at the mall on Christmas Eve. If you're in that latter bucket, uh, obviously there's going to be more challenges, but uh, we are also working right now with the private sector players who own and operate most of U.S. supply chains to find ways to ease the bottlenecks, the bottlenecks that are impacting yeah, everything from consumer goods to construction goods in this country. This is a largely private sector system and a global one at that but there are a lot of steps that we can take as an administration as an honest broker that's what the president has directed us to do and that's part of why we're gathering right here at the white house with leaders from the ports of la and long beach labor leaders and the private uh, sector companies that you know the fedex's ups's walmart's 
others who, who play that role on everything that happens between when something arrives on a ship and when it gets to the shelf so that you can get it to your home. So you're doing this 90-day sprint. This is what the administration is doing to address these supply chain issues. But when you do the math on that, of course, that takes us into January. So that is after, of course, December, after the holidays. Should Americans be prepared Uh, Should they know they're not going to get their packages, they're not going to get their goods in time for Christmas if they're not doing it right now? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's the question. Mm -mm. (laughs) That's the question, all right. To put this in perspective, I've seen UPS trucks on Christmas Eve night still delivering. (laughs) Sure. I mean, this has... Global ramifications. We got kids being woke up to there's no Santa in mass. I, I, I know it sounds like I'm like over selling this, but I'm not. Do you realize we lie to our kids and tell them that some fat guy? Yeah, that's comes? that's a good perspective. Do you still have any kids who are uh, believers? No, no. I mean, the older kids always ruin it for the Oh yeah, I mean, I was I was five or six when it got ruined for me. I remember how disappointed my mom was. <laughs> but that's the that's the logic behind the mandate and, and jabs as well. Well, if I took it, why don't yeah. you have to take it? Yeah, if yeah, I know yeah. there's no Santa, yeah. <laughs> why well, why you why you get to think there's Santa? And the older kids usually ruin it for them. But now you're talking about in mass wake up of mom. I wrote Santa. He said he was going to bring me a Lego set, and it's not here. What are you going to say? Oh, Santa will be here on the twenty seventh, baby. <laughs> when, when, the, when the container comes in from the North Pole, it it don't work like that. And you can hear in her voice, she's like, "You know, that's behind. That's in January." These yeah. companies live yeah. and die off of making that Christmas Day ship yeah. because it really it doesn't matter after that. I mean, if you don't, I mean, that's for parents too. If I didn't get it by Christmas, I ain't going out. So, to so Mo, just, just, just uh, let's let's keep it real here for a second. Uh, uh-huh. has uh, has Mrs. Fax come to you and said, "Let me tell you something. This is going to be a real problem. I can't get the shit for these kids these years, and uh, we're going to have to deal with this." Has this already this conversation already taken place, or is she still good? Mrs. Fax started shopping at the end of September. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Before the supply chains fell apart, <laughs> you, you ain't gonna ruin her Christmas. Bro. I'm trying to say that's not good. That is not, a, and that's that's how a lot of moms are. That is not an option. Roger it's that. Yeah, option. copy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, my ki- my kids are all my kids are all much older. So yeah, so you're right. I I don't have this uh, experience anymore, and of course, I never had it because everything was always certainly in the 80s or the 90s. Uh, you know, growing up, there's everything. You could get anything. You could order everything. Not a problem. Uh, so I don't really. I um, I I see what you're saying because and I ha- it's a different game too. Mm-hmm. Because you used to could tell kid when I was a kid, I didn't have it. <laughs> right. But, but now it's like, mom, it's on Amazon right here. Yeah. It's already in. It's, it's already in the basket. I you put it in the basket for you. Just got to click checkout. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm no. Nah, this is. Gotcha. Epic proportions, man. Like I said, I'm not overselling it. And you can hear the conversation they're having on on a global level. They understand the importance of Christmas. Mm. Psychologically, you heard the bottom line. They look at it, see how people spend around the holidays, how they're going to spend for the next year. Because that's kind of like saying, 
because this is just go to the going to my dad back for a minute. If it's been a good year, the kids gonna have to get a little something extra. You know yep. what I'm saying? Like, yep. hey, you know what I'm saying? Hey, you know, it's been a good year. You know, let's go ahead and get that what we thought we couldn't get. And then the the the, the, the economic people look at it like, hey, Mo is uh spending a little extra this year. It must be a good year. He must be you know making out. Let's let's make more for next year. Mm-hmm. But now it's gonna be like, whoa, Mo is not spending because he can't. Uh, <laughs> he can't. He literally can't spend it. <laughs> he can't. Yeah, I gotta hold hold all my provisions. Uh, and they're gonna look at well, like let's make less, let's lay off people, mm-hmm. let's let's downsize. That it has a ripple effect. Um, so I guess we can get to the second part of this uh, CNN clip. All right, back to uh, Buttigieg. Well, let me be clear. There is more throughput than there has ever been. In other words, uh, we are processing right now as a country record levels of containers and other goods coming into our ports already. The issue is that there's even more demand than uh, the supply chain can support. Remember, we are relying on supply chains that were built generations ago. It's one of the reasons why this entire year we have been talking about and working on infrastructure and are eager to see Congress act to get this infrastructure deal through. You know, it includes $17 billion for our ports, which is a level of support, federal support for ports that that we've never seen before. Uh, Of course, that's a long-term concern. There are short-term steps that we can take, too, like expanding the hours at our biggest ports and working with terminal operators, with truckers to get that flow of goods. Think about it. When you see these pictures of those ships waiting at anchor, uh, waiting outside of the ports, uh, that means the ships are already there. So it's everything after that uh, that we have to work to unclog it's they're not being spaces for the ships at the berths it's the containers being backed up and that goes through our supply chain through the rails through the trucks again all the way to the store shelf yeah the ripple effects are wide and we're learning they're very expensive as well <sighs> that guy the bottleneck is here on our side he made a very valid point if this the, the the tankers are lined up uh, in the port, mm-hmm. it can't be unloaded. It's not a. It's not a from China to here problem. <laughs> nope. Nope. You got to get those things unloaded and get them back in the water and going back to be filled back up again. The problem is you don't have workers. Well, that has a number of reasons, uh, and the main the main bottleneck is California ports and mm-hmm. uh, truckers who literally cannot even operate in the state of California because of climate change regulations for mm-hmm. their vehicles and for themselves. And there's a lot of uh, truckers who are just saying, I'm not interested in, in, uh, in driving truck anymore because it's just, it's, it's become unmanageable. The, the government's uh, uh, measuring you, tracking you every single step of the way. Now they have said, the Biden administration, as far as I know, that there will be no mandate for truckers. How convenient. Mm -hmm. People to go from state to state to state. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No no mandate for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and now let's go back and revisit what we're talking about, about um, UPS, the Postal Service. You're going to get rid of a bunch of people and then put this kind of pressure on them. God. Okay, Mo, you've bummed me out, man. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I have <laughs> Christmas, Christmas is not coming. Us. There's no Christmas. Christmas Christmas will save us. I want to bring up one point. I want to bring up one point before we move on to the next clip. You, you being a wire per- watcher. Of course. Recent wire. Yes. 
What was one of the power structures on the wire? Well, shit. What do you mean? What, uh, how many do you want me to mention? I mean, what, what the one that would be pertinent to this conversation? The docks. The what? The docks. The guys on the dock. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. You th- you think this ain't on purpose? Oh, yeah. That Abs- they don't, absolutely. They <laughs> absolutely. I mean, or, I mean, it's it's union. It's shenanigans. It's who's paying who. I know that people who know the way on the docks they're going in with their own truck, with their own um, uh, carrier, you know, the, mm-hmm. the the chassis. They're going in with ladders and everything. They're paying off the right people. They're getting their own stuff, unloading it, getting the getting containers on their own chassis. They have to do it themselves, but they have to know the way. Oh, yeah, the corruption is complete. Absolutely. That's the, that's the, oh, that's the more people group. It's, no, you're not going to shut us down. You're not going to, what? No, no gas engines. No, what? Okay, all right. Let's see how that works out for you. Yeah, and it, and it's we'll sit on our hands. Trust me. This is this is lizard people. Pay attention. <laughs> Come closer. I know you listen. Okay, all right, lizard people. Here you go. The, Special message. The, the power is with the people. We run this. Y'all don't understand this logistics. That's why I've worked in logistics all my life. I'm saying from packing boxes to warehouse work to all the way up to what I do now and um, quality and um, <clears throat> uh, quality control and um, quality assurance. If we sit on our hands, you don't make your goal. If we want you to make your goal, you make your goal. They don't understand. They don't. They, they're banking on this AI and all this. Okay. All right. So to, to extrapolate what you're saying, are you telling me that there's a concerted effort from the dock workers or whoever uh organizes the dock workers to make everything apparent by slowing this down i'm just going off my wire knowledge as good as any as far (laughs) hey if i got that kind of power (laughs) if i got that kind of juice and you're trying to leverage me and impact my business okay let them pile up right we, I mean, we had this kind of attitude in, when I worked at fast food. You want to be a jerk to me as a manager? Let the drive through back up. I don't care. You pay me five seventy five an hour. What do I care? Right. I'll walk out here and go across the street and get another job. Right. So that's, that's, the, that's what they don't understand. They think they got us leverage, but they don't understand. You have more vested in this than I do. And when I speak, I speak for the worker. I speak for the people. Mm-hmm. Wow, that, that would that would be truly beautiful. All right, you don't see it already. It's happening. It's happening before our eyes <clears throat> because he just he he gave a tail there. It's not. It's backing up at the port. Mm-hmm. Also, it's not a it's not a production issue. No, it's not. It's somebody somewhere that says no. I don't want to do it, and I won't do it, and you can't make me do it. Well, so, okay, it, it, let's see. it is the California ports. California, that, just saying. I'm just, just, just saying. Let me Baltimore, mm-hmm. Florida. Florida said, "Bring them here. We don't mm-hmm. have a problem." Yeah. So it's just amazing how it's just and, they, and they and they actually found a way to say, "Oh no, that can't. That's not going to work." Ah, no, Florida makes no sense. I, there was some some noise about that I was reading. Well, I'm sure the, the boss in <laughs> California got on the phone with the boss in Florida. Hey, hey, you're stepping on my toes here. We're trying to work something out. <laughs> well, they're trying to work something big out. That's for sure. This is a big one. We got something going here. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'll, I'll wrap this up with um before we go into the donation segment with 
This is the dumbest idea I ever heard. Vaccine mandates and unemployment. More companies are now requiring COVID-19 vaccinations. And with that comes employees who will refuse to get the shot. ABC 10 News reporter Mimi Alcala gives us a look at whether workers who quit or get fired over the mandate can qualify for unemployment benefits. With Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine getting full approval, more private employers are now adding company policies requiring their workers to be fully vaccinated by specific dates unless they have a cleared medical or religious exemption. When an employee uh, refuses to get vaccinated in response to an employer mandate, what the employee is doing is violating a company rule. Some employees will choose to quit or get fired instead of getting a vaccine. But legal analyst Danny says violating a company rule could mean no unemployment insurance benefits for those individuals as they search for new jobs. And under those circumstances, the violation of a company rule, an employee generally is not entitled to unemployment if that's the reason for their dismissal. In California, there are several eligibility requirements when applying for unemployment benefits. The state's Employment Development Department, better known as EDD, says unemployment claims are determined on a case-by-case basis by looking at the facts specific to an individual claim. But benefits are generally available to those who lose work through no fault of their own. A spokesperson for EDD tells me when someone quits or is fired and then seeks unemployment benefits, we conduct a phone interview with both the claimant and employer to determine if the person is eligible for benefits. If an applicant quits their job, they must prove there was good cause for leaving and that they made all reasonable attempts to keep that job. Hmm. This is bad optics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to fire people or leave them lingering in some cases around the holidays and then no unemployment either. Yeah, this is this is this is the evil part. And we were talking about it earlier. This unemployment thing, it's like it's the worst. It's the lowest of all low, even when you want to fire somebody because Mm -hmm. they're not performing. You typically give them two weeks. You know, you, you give them a little bit, or if they've been working at the company X amount of years, it's, you know, so many week, you know, a week per year or whatever. And that's just, a, that's just normal business. That's expected. I've had seven, 800 employees in my life. No, no, you're talking about severance. I know, but. No, 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 no. They're talking about the government issue unemployment that we've paid into, like people like myself. Oh, no, no, I, I understand. I understand. It, the company, but the companies are stopping that. Well, I don't think the companies are stopping it because I have on good knowledge. Some companies are saying, well, we won't contest it. But as you heard from that clip, they're saying, well, if you got fired for breaking a company rule, i.e. not taking the jab, then you don't even qualify for it. So that puts it back on the government, not the employer. No, I, I understand. I'm just saying from a humane perspective, even when someone screws up, I fired people on the spot, but I still gave them two weeks severance. And then, didn't, and then didn't get in their way of getting unemployment. No, not at all. No. That's what I'm saying. They're going even, they're not even saying no severance. That'd have been bad enough. Yeah. <laughs> they're saying, you know what? You won't even get what you paid into. Either. How does that work? How how does that system work? Uh, what is the company's role? Is that purely you got fired? Therefore, you. I mean, is it is it the the terms of unemployment? It can't be because you left. Obviously, 
Can it be if if you were fired because you stole from the company? Can you still get unemployment then? The, if you, if you brought it on yourself, kind of like you know stole right. or whatever, did right. something like that, the company can tell the unemployment office or employment office. How you want to say? It. We say unemployment office, but uh, yeah, uh, they say, look, um, he was a jerk. I'm not going to pay his unemployment. And then the unemployment, like, well, they contested it. You don't get it. That's how it works. Mm. But now they're putting it and trying to shape it in a way like if, if even if the company says, okay, yeah, he left because of COVID. Well, oh, he did he. Oh, well, he doesn't qualify for it. Right. This is, like I said, this is very sick. It's not, like I said, it's bad enough. <laughs> it is bad enough that you fire somebody because of their choice. Then on top of that, you don't give them any severance. And, and, you, and you take away Christmas. And you take away, and you do it all around Christmas, holiday, Thanksgiving, all this stuff. And then you say, oh, yeah, well, oh, oh, yeah, no no unemployment either. Mo, it's obvious. We know who's behind this. Who hates people? Who, who hates Christmas the most? Uh, Satan? <laughs> Not being a man of, of uh, church-going man myself seems pretty obvious. This is past Scrooge. Yeah. Oh, no, this is past the Grinch, past everything. And the Grinch was green. This is uh, this is Beelzebub, <laughs> man. This shit is no good. So, But it's it's dumb. Yeah. It's dumb. Why would you take it there? I, I, I don't well, understand again, okay, okay, it. Okay, again, the, the people doing this are in a state of hypnosis. You have to keep reminding yourself. The stupider it seems, the more likely they are to be all in on it. <clears throat> I didn't make it up. This is what the professors tell me about this yeah. this mass formation. Yeah, I'm just saying the benefit, if your goal is to do this quietly, do you know what, and I'm going to say this, and we can slide on into the donation segment. Do you know what this is going to do to the crime rate? There's Do not you gonna, know what the optics of this is going to be? Yeah, it's going to be really nice. And you notice Amazon rolled out that new thing. We could put it in your garage. Yeah. <laughs> Just give us your garage. I know a lot of jacked open garages. Well, no, that's that's their new thing to keep it from sitting on your front porch. Give us your garage. Oh, right. Yeah. Let us let us in. <laughs> let yeah, us we, in your we'll house. put it in your garage because we, we know it's going to be a lot of stealing going on. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, hey, hey, rightfully so. I mean, you stop people from eating. This is what you get. You want chaos? You want anarchy? Okay. I'm, I mean, I, I'm trying to hold civility. You know what we say about the, the thin pane of glass? Yeah. I'm trying to keep that from breaking. That's all I'm. That's all I'm trying to do here. Because where they're headed is not good. But first, the white man and the black man have to be able to sit down at the same table. The white man has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of that Negro. And the so-called Negro has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of the white man. Then they can bring the issues that are under the rug out on top of the table and take an intelligent approach to get the problem solved. That's the only way that they'll ever do it. And what's great about uh, this white man and this black man is that uh, right now we are solving things. We are coming down to the to what's happening. And it has nothing to do with race. It has to do with dads. Oof. This is a uh, this is a very important MoFax um, episode, and I want to make sure that everyone knows uh, that your support is going to probably be even more important than ever. 
And the value for value system is all that we can rely on in order to maintain this complete free speech. There's not a lot of uh, advertisers that would be happy to touch this conversation or any of the 69 other ones we've had probably. So it's really important that you continue to produce um, we are also shoring up some systems here. We're getting some stuff. We've already been, we, in anticipation of things coming, I think we already got our crap together, so to speak. We're on a regular schedule. We've got the, the lost tapes on our alternating works a weeks. You know, we've, we've got a real product here and we're really, especially Mo is really putting in uh, the work for the value and we need to get as much back as possible so we can all have a Christmas next year. But first, Let's thank this week's, this uh, this episode's executive and associate executive producers for episode number 70 of uh, MoFax with Adam Curry. And we kick it right off with Jennifer Dorney, who is uh, episode number 70's. Baller, shot caller, 20-inch blades on the Impala. <laughs> Jennifer comes in with $327.33. Gotta wonder, maybe she has a little bit of info about this number. Incredible show, she says. I went back to listen from show one. Oh man, that's so cool! And uh, also, Dreb Scott is working on. Oops, sorry, is working on chapters and uh, transcripts all the way back to show one. So you'll even have reference. You can use your podcasting 2.0 app, newpodcastapps.com to search. Um, since I came in around show fifty-two, that did take a minute. Yeah, I understand. This is no way to commensurate with the value I have found in the show, but it's a start. Twenty-seven is an angel number. There we go. And you two are just that in my book. Keep shining the light in the dark places. We can only heal, but we are willing to reveal. Ooh, I like that one. Love you both. God bless. Love and light. Uh, Jen Dorney, 27. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Appreciate it. Steve Marchie, 133.33, our second executive producer for episode number 70. Mo and Adam loving the show and the Lost Tapes. Thanks for what you guys do. Shout out to Tiger Auntie. And one more for the deadbeats in Signal. <laughs> they know who they are. If I could, <laughs> I guess we should probably uh, just... Uh, Ew, you're a deadbeat. For those guys. They know who they are. If I could, let me get a woosah with a side of goat, if you have it, and some Mo Karma for the fam. Remember, this is not a COVID show, <laughs> he says. Uh, Sir Steve, thank you very much, Sir Steve. <laughs> You've got... Mocom. 112 and a half from Judy Sigsby. Being thankful every day, even if sometimes it's grudgingly so, feeds my soul and feeds the positive connections between all beings. This is what she writes. It's akin to the mycelium in the forest floor that connects the trees and can spread and communicate across thousands of acres. In that light, my value donation is playing off the traditional date of Thanksgiving this month. I am so very thankful for what Mo and Adam have brought into my awareness of my heart. Thanks to you, gentlemen. Your contribution is beyond a number value. And we appreciate you, Judy. Our Judy first is strong, strong in the facts family. That's oh, okay. Very strong. First associate executive producer is uh let's see, Chris Bailey. Seventy dollars. I don't see a note from him, but we appreciate it, Chris. Send it send it after the fact if you need to. Uh, also 70, which of course are the uh, show number donations, gets a separate credit for uh, Gergana Yankova. Um, and also show number donation from John Conforth, $70, who says, I've recently been remiss supporting your show, so please accept my multi-episode de-douching. Well, we call that de-deadbeating over here. And you are. Congratulations. You're no longer 
a deadbeat. As Hawaii continues to commit economic suicide and medical tyranny, I've preferred to travel to the free states on the mainland. During my last jaunt, I finally caught a case of this Rona that I've been hearing so much about. Well, at least that's what their test told me. Fortunately, my experience was mild and mostly inconvenient, and I have an idea. Let's mandate that everyone in the country has to listen to this podcast or they will lose their job and never be able to eat again. (laughs) I'm confident that we will get to at least 99% compliance in 14 days or less. Let's go, Brandon. Yes, that's right, John. Mandates work. Mandates work. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Stefano, our last episode donation producer for this show, 70. Really enjoyed episode 69. Thanks and love Oh, from Dame Girl Kyle. I'm sorry, not Kylie. Adam, I did blow it. I did it again. Ah, oh, you blew it again. I did it again, Kyle. It. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm not even going to edit that. I will take I will take my punishment. Then we continue with a Swazelnoff 6969 from Benjamin Nidus. I once, I knew once Len Horowitz came up, it was going to be an epic episode. Yes. Uh, thank you for that. Philip P. Philip B. Brown. Uh, 69 and 69 for episode 69. So since that came in late uh, for both of you, we'll put you in the 70 for uh, for this week. And he says 73's uh, KI5NTY, 73's K5Alpha Charlie Charlie. Zach Welch, $55. Uh, that will be the, uh, let me see, also Associate Executive Producership. Thank you for radicalizing me. And he has a couple of uh, emojis, I guess, which didn't mm-hmm. translate on the spreadsheet. Thank you very much, Zach. Graham Mangange, uh, he's in Arcata, California, $50, thanks, thank you very much. Megan Emery, $50, thank you for your thought-provoking content and lessons in humanizing. My boyfriend and I both listen to every episode, and this has served as an excellent jump-off point for many conversations. We both appreciate the time and effort you put into the public service that you provide and hope you continue to grow. Well, with producers like you, Megan, and your boyfriend, you bet. David T. Vargas, 50. You two are doing great. Thank you, Adam, for bringing Mo and his talent to our attention. Thank you, Mo, for your deep dives. Any advice for a 28-year-old in debt? Save. Uh, and my advice, what I do is I just buy little pieces of Bitcoin and keep it for a long time. And then our great last <laughs> our last uh, uh, associate executive producer for episode number 70, we have more people to thank a little bit later on, is David Fox. And he says, I'm sharing some bread with that Mofax dude. And that's $50. And we appreciate uh, your donation, David, and all of our executive producers and associate executive producers for episode number 70 of No Mofax with Adam Curry. Remember, more important than ever, we really need to, um, we, we need the support. We're going to need a lot more of it uh, moving forward. And you can also do a great service to the show by getting more people to listen, getting them involved, uh, turning them on to it, and eventually, of course, calling them out as deadbeats and helping and getting them to help support the show as well. So thank all of you. Remember, it's value for value. We need your time, your talent, and your treasure. Go to mofax.com to find out uh, all about the show and donate. You can go direct to the donate page, mofundme.com, M-O-U-F-U-N-D-M-E.com. Thanks again for producing episode number 70. And I want to say this before we jump back into the, you're sending the clips. There's going to be a lot of talented people with a lot of free time on their hands. Any <laughs> Anything you could contribute. I, I know it's a, we're going to be in a weird paradox of money's going to be tight, but there's other ways you can help. Making small clips of the show, posting it on your social media. 
promoting um, promoting the show, telling people to yeah, check out lost tapes. There's a artwork. lot of stuff. Yes, artwork. It's, it's a, there's a bunch of stuff you can do, and all of it's going to be more than needed in these coming days. So. And, and even if you if you get a, a new a podcast, a 2.0 podcast, you can stream value in real time. Keeps it very manageable. Mm-hmm. But it, hey, you know, we're just asking for value. It, we can't determine what your value is. You may have no money and and could do something else for us. You may have a lot. It doesn't matter. Whatever value is to you, just jump on board and support. A lot of talent people with a lot of free time. So just just <laughs> help out where you can. Uh, let's see where we stop at. We're okay, at number, uh, yeah, so, we're back to FDR. I think. So we're back to FDR. So as do, putting the show together and then being what day this fell on being the day before Veterans Day. I had to think like what is the last mandate that we've had that can be comparison in comparison to this and i would say it's the selective service draft <laughs> nailed it in september 1940 the selective service act was passed and for the first time in history american boys were being drafted during peacetime you have the confidence and the gratitude and the love of your countrymen. We are all with you in the task which enlists the services of all Americans, the task of keeping the peace in this new world of ours. President Roosevelt announced draft order number one, the first peacetime draft number ever to be drawn. Drawn by the Secretary of War, is serial number 158 you know um when the uh when the when bush invaded uh, iraq the first time mm-hmm. uh desert was that desert storm i think yes uh i remember i don't know if you had to do this but i had to register for the selective service you have, everybody has to do that when they turn 18. Yeah, um, I had to re-register for selective service. Oh, okay. I mean, Did I, you have I, that? I was only, I was only you, 10. Right, okay. So I remember that because I, I, I think my, com- my company might have even been public at that point. And, mm-hmm. and it was just the weirdest thing. I'm like, what? What? I, I, I got it. I mean, they could actually like take me and, and put me in the desert. Mm-hmm. And that, was, that was a weird thing, man. And it's a weird thing for every man when they turn 18 and like, here, here's your card. Yeah. Isn't that funny? It's a card. <laughs> here's your card. Let's uh, make sure you uh, get that card filled out there. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you can do what you're supposed to do and serve your duty, um, which uh, I brought this up because I think that's the closest thing that we could uh, equate this to. And I'm going somewhere with this. But this was the beginning of it. I think 1940 was the first time that mm-hmm. they ever start to draft people in peacetime. Yeah. Uh, and and what we're going to do is listen, listen to another FDR clip, just give some context to it. But that opened up the door for later drafts. So 24. America's most epical call to arms and preparedness. Millions of men from 21 to 36 line up and sign up throughout the nation. Here's Winfred Rockefeller, son of John D. Jr. Answer the call to national service. 
And well, if it isn't Maxie Bear, ready to go into training again. And no kidding. Well, not much. The rodeo stars sign up hoping they don't draw the Iron Cavalry. One of the first young men to register is Warren Pershing, son of our famous wartime commander. All races, creeds, and colors line up for national defense. In Chinatown, the rush is just as great and enthusiastic as elsewhere. Harlem, too, keeps the registrars busy. With the safety of America threatened, all Americans, the humble and the mighty, willingly embrace selective service. From the White House comes a definite promise by the President to those answering their nation's preparedness call. Our present program will train 800,000 additional men this coming year, and somewhat less than a million men each year thereafter. It is a program, obviously, of defensive preparation, and of defensive preparation only. To the 16 million young men who register today, I say that democracy is your cause. Yeah. So it's two, re- it's two reasons why I chose to go this, this direction with this. One, when there's a real risk or a real threat, American men have no problem stepping up. Agreed. Because we understand what's at stake. Even in those times, uh, this FDR was the first uh, president to let black soldiers fight alongside white soldiers in the modern era. I mean, it happened in the Civil War. I mean, but like not to this extent. And he, he won a lot of uh, cachet because the understanding was for black men, if we go and fight and show we're brave, then that should you know, uh, gain us more uh, standing when we go back home. It mm-hmm. didn't. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> it was a pipe it, dream, but yeah. It was a pipe dream, but it nevertheless, even people that were oppressed in those times were willing to go fight for this country, even though they had a, uh, um, uh, for lack of a better word, a rocky relationship with the country. Yeah. So, but now it's get jabbed. Why? Because we're, it's a threat. It's an enemy. You know, okay, so why is this not a shared responsibility? Here you saw, even in this clip, Rockefeller's son was brought out there yeah. to even give the optics yeah. of anybody could get drafted. Yeah, we forced it's, Elvis. Elvis was went, you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, I think, was it Mickey Mantle or? Well, we I know, know, a lot we, of know who, we know players. who didn't go later, <laughs> much later. Who, who was that? Muhammad Ali. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, oh yeah, but I'm saying it's a lot of baseball players that g- gave up everything, yep. you know, yeah, to yeah, go yeah. fight. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was just the understanding that if it's a real enemy, then we'll step up. But now it's it's that's one of the knots. Like, oh, you don't want to do you don't you don't want to do your civic duty to roll up your sleeves and get the jab. They never so, really they never really played the patriotic angle that hard. And I think the reason is because of this this comparison. That mm-hmm. and you know saying this is patriotic would be a little too close to Trump words, yeah, you know, a little a little too fresh, a little too fresh to use the p word, you know. So uh, they couldn't really push that. They boxed themselves in, but it's, it, it also it would be nationalism. So it's that too, be a global yeah. citizen, yeah, be a yeah. good global citizen, and get jabbed. And we uh-huh. and, and we do have this this narrative and meme going around from Gates, from the World Health Organization, uh, and mainly from the Progressive Caucus. Saying, you know, this is racist, it's unfair, the whole world needs to be vaccinated, and if the whole world isn't vaccinated, guess what? We'll never get rid of COVID, 
and Christmas will never return. That's the that's the narrative. Mm-hmm. But if that's the case, then if that's where we're at with it, let's start a, a vaccine draft. Let's yeah. go. If everybody got to get it, let's go. Yeah. Let's let's <laughs> line up. Everybody got to roll up their sleeves. Now we get to see who, you know who, who goes really in the, about yeah. it mm-hmm. and who's just giving lip service. And everybody name goes in it. We are, we didn't open it up for the babies. Them too. You ba- put the babies in the draft. Yeah. And let's just in the I womb. You in float- the womb. The babies in the womb. I bet you if you floated that idea, it would be totally different. <laughs> the response, but if that if we're facing an enemy like no other, let's roll up the sleeves, the little baby sleeves too, the onesie sleeves, and let's just jab everybody. It's <laughs> uh, a sick thought. That, that way, everybody's carrying the load equally. And mm-hmm. There's 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 no um, well, I'm a uh, entrepreneur, independent, you know, kind of guy, so I don't have to take it. Uh, oh, I'm a politician. I don't have to take it. Right. Even no, even, even John McCain had to go in. Exactly. Right. Even that's, George that's exactly Bush. My... Even George Bush. Yeah. No. I, did he? No. It was just, junior didn't. No. Ju- I don't think ju- Junior was. Yeah. Junior was horrible. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Junior was. I don't know if he was drafted, but he was in military service. It was. Oh, okay. I thought you meant draft. Okay. Okay. Um. So that's where we're at with it. So this 1940 thing opened up the 1960s draft for the Vietnam War as captured in uh, clip 25. The Draft Lottery, a live report on tonight's picking of the birthdays for the draft. And now a page from our Sunday morning almanac, December 1st, 1969. 50 years ago today, the night of America's first military draft lottery since 1942. With the war in Vietnam as a backdrop and the futures of some 850,000 young men on the line, the lottery featured a bin containing 366 capsules, one for each possible birthday. The order in which their birthdays were drawn from that bin would determine the order in which those young men would be drafted. First chosen, first to serve. Congressman Alexander Perney of New York drew the first number. September 14th. Capsule by capsule, date by date, the board filled up. December 6th. Finally concluding with June 8th as number 366. Statisticians soon cried foul, arguing that birth dates near the end of the year had inadvertently been clustered toward the top of the bin, making them more likely to be drawn first. January 31st, February 15th, March 8th. Fair or not, as events played out, only men with birthdays numbered 1 through 195 were ultimately called to duty. Men with the remaining 171 birthdays were home free. America ended the military draft in 1973 and has relied on voluntary enlistment ever since. But for many of the thousands who watched the drawing with bated breath, memories of that draft lottery telecast remain as vivid as ever. Eh. So we need we need a, we need a uh, vax draft. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm dead serious. I have the little yeah. Pfizer uh, Pfizer capsules. It's perfect. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like in there, uh, you got all the birthdays. And then like, I'm being facetious. But I hear you. But what I'm saying is if you want to make it fair, then that way get. we know. Mm-hmm. 
Today's your birthday. Oh, you got this. The that's the that was the date drawn today. You got to go get your jab. And everybody born that day got to get their jab. No, no exceptions. No, it's if we're fighting a true enemy, it's everybody's duty and service to go and get the jab. So what you're saying is, uh, it's of note. It's noteworthy that they chose the manner in which they're doing it because, of course, it's not really a, an enemy that you can mobilize everybody around. Or, mm-hmm. uh, and it's arbitrary. It's totally arbitrary. It's the whole thing. Yeah. So what you're what you're case, saying is that if your birthday is January fourth, right? But you're saying that they're just disingenuous because they didn't go this route because this is the clear thing to do. This is the clear. If you're saying we have an enemy, we have to. It's it's the president's fort. Yeah, uh, we did it in the '40s. We did it in the '60s. Um, that way we know because that's the whole point. Is everybody's not pulling their weight. We know billionaires and not don't have their vax we see what happened well in the NFL. no i mean what we saw is we saw political people do it we saw the president the vice president you know we don't know if it was real we don't know what's in the in the, if it was uh, getting saline if the needle's really going in i mean that's who knows but there were really only a couple of politicians uh we didn't see the ones we really wanted to see and we certainly didn't see and, you know i think I think you're right. If, if it was a true, sincere campaign, you would have had uh, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and uh, Walensky and Fauci and everybody, you know, lined up in the gym. I the, want their kids. Yeah, their I kids. I want their grandkids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want whatever birthday it is. Yeah. Eventually, we will line them up in a gym, but that'll be for a different reason. <laughs> it's, 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 ja- it's jab day. I mean, that's that's what jab day. That's, but yeah. that's how we need mm-hmm. to do it if if, if it's we're a sincere. truly a threat. Yeah, if we're sincere, agree. Well, as we saw with this case, and now we're going to go back to Vietnam. Uh, and the reason why I brought this up, it is Veterans Day, and I think Vietnam veterans yeah. are get the short end of the stick. Oh my goodness, do they? Because they were brought up, uh, they were in an unpopular war, similar as it is now. The country is in a similar state that it was then. Half the people were on board, half, well, 30%, 30%, and then 40 was in the middle, like, ah, which with 30 is winning. Uh, and in hindsight, we look at, like, oh, that's a war we shouldn't have fought, and we don't have respect for those veterans. The reason why this is important to me, because not only am I dealing with the vax thing, I'm dealing with my father and my uncle, both who served in the military during Vietnam. Um, and they're, they're thrown away. Um, all this plays into the psyche of this. I mean, I, 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 this is one of my most revealing shows because I look at them. It's like, are you want me to take the L for the country? Huh? And if I'm maimed, you're just going to throw me away. Hell no, I'm not taking your shot. Mm-hmm. That's why I met with it because I saw they did. They stepped up to the duty, whether it was their draft or joined. And when they and when they came back, man, the country was so mind controlled. They were called baby killers. It was horrible for these vets to come back from Vietnam and the Korean War. It's the same way it's going to be now yeah. with anti vaxxer You yeah. all you want you don't want it's it's going to be this. I hate to say it, but it's going to be the same way. But I need to put some perspective on it because I and I'm gonna make this point right up front. It's a lot of poor people that were drafted just because 
of all shades and colors and races. Sure. But I have to make the point that black men were hit at a higher percentage with the draft. And 26 will explain more, more about that. And this is Bloods and all. This evening, war stories about what it was like to have been young, black, and in Vietnam. A high percentage of the men on the front lines in Vietnam were black. By most accounts, they had the highest casualties. They say they were fighting two wars, the enemy and discrimination. But they also talk about battlefield brotherhood and lifelong friendships. This is a film about what it was like to fight that war. What it was like to be in Vietnam and to be black. War stories from the Bloods who went to Nam. They came from the farms and from the ghettos, from high schools like this one, Thomas Edison in Philadelphia. They didn't have the money to sit out the war in college or leave the country. They joined the armed forces. They got drafted. Many of them never came back. Yeah. They couldn't go to Canada. They couldn't go to uh, college. You know what I'm saying? They, they didn't have rich parents, you know, to help them dodge. And, and that's kind of like what I'm saying now with COVID. That, uh, say if you got rich parents or whatever, oh, you don't have to take the jab. Because you don't have to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't it, How convenient is that? It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do it by... And you heard the lizard man say that, lizard king say that, where ours is more around college and jobs in this country, not the stores. Right. So, I mean, we, we've seen this, and then, like I said, this is the last mandate we've seen of this epic proportion. Um, you know, I, I'm, <clears throat> I have uh, my, my whole family, as you know, is military intelligence. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you were saying about your dad and your uncle, and of course, uh, I know I know both the stories. It, mm-hmm. it it hurts me a lot, it really does, because my family are also uh, there's some Vietnam veterans, and they're white, and I think they just got they 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 didn't get everything they should have, but they didn't get so shafted. No way, mm-hmm. no way. So I know it's well, a different it's- time, different era, but it, it's really sad. It makes me uh, sad. There's a lot of parallels here. And and I, I, like I said, I do this show for the parallels to say, even then you had to convince, oh, are you a believer or this or not? Oh, or did it go or not? Uh, when you came back, um, yeah, you have services available to you, but convince us you have Agent Orange. Convince us, you know what I'm saying, you right. were exposed to this kind of thing. It's like, dude, I did what you asked me to do. I went and paid the price. And like I said, I, I want people to understand this because this plays into the psyche of you've told us for the last what since George Floyd died that this country don't love you now roll up my sleeves for it yeah no no I can't do it and and, and it's a lot of people like me that say no I won't be the first on the front on the battle line I'll, I'll hang back I'll see how this thing goes um but like I said, that's why I juxtaposed it to World War II where black men were itching to get some. It's like, right. oh, kill a Nazi? Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Let's turn, you know what I'm Let's turn up. Yeah. Um, but nah, 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 a little little different. And, and like I said, I want to, I'm doing this, like I said, this is a mandate show, not specific, just a COVID mandate. That's why I, 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 I 
frame my statement in that way because I want to show how people in smoky rooms can make decisions that leave people with lasting impact for the rest of their life. And this is something, like I said, I'm living with to this day. And and I don't think you you hear about World War II, you hear about the modern wars, the, um, the desert, you know, those kind of things, Afghanistan. Um, but you don't hear about Vietnam. I mean, they just they just totally forgot about these people. Yeah. Um, but uh, with that said, let's go ahead and get into 27. How did you feel when you first heard you were going to war? I mean, the obvious answer. <laughs> Scared. For most of us and for you, you're 16 and 17 years old, and you think death is 60 years away from you. But the minute that somebody tells you something or says something that brings death close to your mind, you get scared, real scared. And at 19, they gave me orders to go to Vietnam, and my stomach dropped out. You were, that's a fear. It's fear. Before you even get there, it's fear. Imagine being on an airplane, getting off, and walking into your mother's oven. Because that's exactly what it was. When I woke up that plane, my skin broke into a white ash, like into a big sweat. And here I am in this hot climate. They have to stay for 13 months. I was scared, man. I was so scared. You, it's hard to believe I actually wetted on myself. I messed on myself. That first four months, I was terrified, you know, and it's a fright. That it's unbelievable when you see people drop. You don't know what death is because most of us never see death. But at church, when, when a family member died, but the watch guys drop below you and you're wondering, what am I going to do? Fire a weapon? You know, practice is one thing. But shooting at somebody for real or something else. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So I'm, I'm just laying this out to say this is what not only a race thing, because that's a part of it, but this is an age thing as well. Mm-hmm. 17, 18 year old kids got to take it to go to college. You see their hearts getting blown out. But take it. You want to work, don't you? You want to survive? I'm just looking at the 17, 18 year old Mo. Yeah. It's like, well, I, I had to have a job. I had car insurance, you know what I'm saying? Rent, whatever else. Um, Just trying to, you know, scrape to get by. And it's like, well, you're putting me in a bad position because I, I ain't, this is not my battle. Those young kids are like, man, I'll get over COVID. It ain't, nah. ain't nothing to me. But it's like, no, you got to get it. You got to go fight this war. Yeah. Bunch of old men and women making decisions that can impact young people's lives, and it's a parallel there. Hey, yes, and the parallel is all the way up to the top because wars, yeah, sure, it was about communism, but that's not really what wars are about. War, war, <laughs> wars are for the, the 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 people who finance them on both sides. So it's sad, hey. sad all around, <laughs> sad all around. And so just getting back, and I want to say this like. This ain't no pity for the black men in Vietnam because those men came back troopers. I mean, you talking about hardened soldiers come out of that, and when they came back with their head, if they had came back with their head on straight, mm-hmm. I mean, that was a, that was a very serious generation of men. A very, and that's why they had to get them out the house. You talking about black men that knew how to kill efficiently? That's a pro- that's a real problem. Yeah, let's give them dope. Let's give them heroin. Let's mm-hmm. give them this. Let's give them black exploitation films. Let's give them. Let's let let them ride in the theaters from the past show. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of black exploitation films were based off of uh you know uh bloods coming that's what he was calling bloods you know what I'm saying coming back from Vietnam yeah uh, and 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 is that their, is that uh, is that where bloods and crips came from or bloods at least the blood I, part I believe of the crips? so I believe mm-hmm. part of it was there but like I said I come from a generation where like I said my uncle my dad you know they were in Vietnam a lot of their friends were in Vietnam they taught you to that. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know, that's how they knew, like, who was cool and who wasn't because it wasn't all roses over there either in Vietnam as far as not just the Vietnamese people, but but even their fellow soldiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see that in uh, uh, the next clip. It's illegal, they say. It's against regulation. They come down hard. All right, if you don't take it off before you come in the theater, you don't get in theater. You know, this is the way they do this thing. They said the Afro was legal. Am I right or wrong? That's what they said. It was legal. We can spoil the Afro. All right. This man, there's a lot of brothers here. This man here has got an Afro. This is an Afro right here. Somewhat of an Afro. It's not big. No. But they want us to wear skin here. What they call it, high and tight. It's not my culture. Am I right or wrong? They come over here. They get, all right, a Vietnamese girl. She called me a nigger. A nigger, a Vietnamese girl. I know it's not part of their language. Can't nobody tell me that's part of their language. But I'm going to go over here. The beast, you know that. See, we go over here. We fight. Okay, we fight to defend the water we drink, the land we grow our food on, and our way of culture. We also fight to protect Rockefeller, Rockefeller's foundations. We fight to protect J.P. Kennedy's foundation. All these different kind of foundations that the black man can't partake of. You understand? And then we go back. We're continuously harassed. It's not necessary. This ain't what we heard. This is what we know. See, we've seen it from the bird's eye point of view. We are the people here now. See, we see it now. This ain't what we heard. You know. Now, just like you said, these people, these Oriental people, don't know how to don't know how to where the word nigga came from or nothing. They have to learn how to speak it. That's real telling. That <laughs> very telling. That tell you that white supremacy is a is a system. You go over here to fight for your country. You been hold on, first of all, you been drafted, right? <laughs> you go over there to fight to protect the people, and those same people we call you the N word, and it is indoctrinated into this system. So now you foreshadow to this. Now you help people understand better about Muhammad Ali, right? And, and his um uh what do you call it conscientious uh objection uh, uh, objection. objection yeah yeah conscientious objection to joining the war so now we have to get into when one person stands up because we have to lay this out Ali wasn't as popular as he is now all this is hindsight I am the greatest like a butterfly and sting like a bee In 1966, Muhammad Ali, the heavyweight champion of the world, was banned from boxing in the United States after he refused as a conscientious objector to serve in the army. Boxing is nothing like going to war with machine guns, bazookas, hanging aids, bomber airplanes. My intention is to box to win a clean fight, but in war, 
The intention is to kill, 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 and continue killing innocent people. As a follower of Elijah Muhammad and a minister of the Nation of Islam, he said that the war was against the teachings of his religion. What the 60s were about were a time of creative imagination, the ability to find truth, your own truth, and pursue it. And that's what Ali seemed to embody. Man, his story it needs to be retold, particularly these years, really does. It, it, it no, it, it, it they can't. They can't see that's the thing. They can't because that shows you the power of the people. Mm-hmm. When you have one person stand up, yeah. And like I said, Muhammad Ali, he was the uh, he had, I think he was like the newly champ. He had just beat Sonny Liston. If I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm going off my mental, I'm saying just uh, memory here. Um, but he, like I said, he wasn't a sta- established champ. Um. And the other issue was they wanted to use him like they used uh, uh, Joe Lewis. Mm-hmm. Joe Lewis was very military friendly because he understood like the Nazi had to be taken out. Uh, but even still, Joe Lewis died broke. Yeah. From the IRS, you know what I'm saying, just greasing. So, I mean, Ali had all this history, you know what I'm saying, and, and understanding, and then he understood what was the, the feeling on the streets. Uh, of like I said, you heard in the blood, like the bloods is like, hey, nah, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to fight for a war, but they were given a choice fight for the war or go to jail, go to prison, mm-hmm. and not only go to prison, but then you get like a can't hold certain jobs. And uh, I mean, a felony is bad. Enough, no, no, that's that's see, just the beginning of the problems. Yeah, you tack on the rest of that, so it's it's the it's. I'm not equating that with what we're going through now, but there are similarities in the sense of you want people to take part into something that doesn't affect them for a lot of things that we really, a lot of people don't believe in. They don't believe that COVID is this deadly killer that is going to kill the young and the old, the healthy and the unhealthy. Right. Um, But that's kind of how communism was sold. So, um, I guess let's go ahead and get into clip number 29. Near the end of 1967, Ali was convicted of graft evasion by a Kentucky court and stripped of his world title by the Professional Boxing Commission. Champ, the uh, news from uh, Louisville uh, must have been pretty upsetting, was it? I'd like to say to the fans of mine that this very well could be my last fight. He would not fight again professionally for three years. Ali supported himself by giving speeches at college anti-war rallies. Muhammad Ali! It has been said that I have two alternatives. Either go to jail or go to the army. But I would like to say that there is another alternative. And that alternative, that alternative is justice. And if justice prevails, I will neither go to the army, nor will I go to jail. 
Finally, in 1970, Ali was able to get a boxing license in Georgia, the only state without a boxing commission. The following year, the Supreme Court overturned his conviction for refusing the draft. Muhammad Ali became even more popular, especially with millions of white Americans who had little in common with or sympathy with the nation of Islam, but found Muhammad Ali engaging, funny, captivating, charismatic, a leader and spokesperson for their own opposition to Vietnam yeah. and their own desire to find meaning in really pursuing your own beliefs regardless of the consequences. And that's true. I remember my dad talking about Cassius Clay mm -hmm. um, and how cool it was. And my dad, you know, my dad uh, was a little too old for Vietnam, so he did mm -hmm. have he did have to enlist, but he basically stayed in the U.S. at the I think in San Antonio Air Force Base, whatever. Uh, but I remember him talking about Cassius Clay, like that guy's badass, you know, like oh man, he did that. And uh, yeah, so it, it was it was an example for a lot of people, even those who went the the so called uh, those who who uh, who took the vax of the day. Mm -hmm. and, and it was a groundswell report. I mean, excuse me, a groundswell of support. Yeah. For Ali, one from the quote unquote community, you know what I'm saying? Because you had black men every day getting, I think it was called 1A, <laughs> that you know what I'm saying? You were marked as 1A, you mm -hmm. could go and be sent off. Mm -hmm. uh, you had that groundswell, and then you had rich kids at universities and uh, would not say rich, but people who had some means at universities got behind them with the anti war effort. Yep. This is why they control the athletes the way they do now. Athletes, because colleges, uh, educators, the whole they they know they know where the problems are. And Ali went through a lot of things that doctors are standing up and putting their life on the line just to tell the, what their perceived truth is about COVID. Isn't that interesting? I'm sorry to interrupt. The because no, I'm no, not, go ahead. Yeah, the parallel of uh, Muhammad Ali and uh, Kyrie, or uh, you know. Any well, I'm just saying the doctors, if you if you don't hold a narrative, you can't operate in the state. Because boxing to box, you got to have a license. Ooh, better analogy. <laughs> got it. You got to have a license to box. It's like, oh, okay, you want to have your own narrative, huh? Right, right, let me get, right. Let me right, get right, that right. license. So we have our, our Muhammad Ali's now. We have doctors that are standing up. We yeah, don't get to hear from them. McCollum, Malone, <laughs> Corey. Yeah, they're all out there. You got to think to put your your livelihood on the line for what? I we mean, we should just call these super doctors. Call them all Muhammad. So Muhammad uh, Malone, Muhammad that's Corey. That's going to get them on another list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's going to get them on another list. Oh, right. uh, but yeah, we have heroes right in front of us. That's the thing about it. Uh, now it takes somebody wait, like uh, a, a big platform, but that's why you, you, um, you don't let them even get the light of day and be seen because even then there was some shenanigans going on how we got to the actual war in Vietnam. On the morning of August 4th, 1964, I began my first full-time employment in the Pentagon working under Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara. <laughs> my very first day on the job, all hell broke loose. A courier came running in 
with a flash cable saying that American warships were under attack in the Tonkin Gulf off the coast of North Vietnam. And I was getting these because my boss was already down the hall with McNamara picking targets to retaliate against, against North Vietnam. Minute after minute, more cables came in. Three torpedoes have been fired. Seven, we are taking evasive action. At about 1.30 our time comes a new cable from the Commodore of the two ships. Hold everything in effect. Uh, all previous reports of torpedoes are in question. Renewed hostile actions against United States ships on the high seas in the Gulf of Tonkin have today required me to order the military forces of the United States to take action in reply. Within days, it was clearer and clearer that there had been no attack. Yeah, yeah, this is a favorite. Me and Alex Jones, we love using this as our example of a false flag. We want to, I'm going to lean on you on this one uh, as far as, I mean, I know the, the story as far as Gulf of Tonkin, but you want to uh, kind of fill in some gaps or maybe parallels of what's going on now? Well, you want, uh, do you have a second one to this? <clears throat> a second, yes. a second. Let's play yes. that first and I'll fill in uh, whatever's missing because this seems right, pretty clear. Good. All right. Within days, it was clearer and clearer that there had been no attack. I shall immediately request the Congress to pass a resolution. President Johnson was determined to prevent a communist victory in South Vietnam. He twisted the facts of the Tonkin Gulf incident to persuade Congress to give him unlimited authority to use military force. He then launched a war that would last another 11 years. By a number of hostile vessels. Senator Fulbright, you moved the Tonkin resolution through the Senate. Did you know anything about this? I accepted the story given to us by the President and Mr. McNamara and Mr. Rusk, and I believe General Wheeler. I had no reason at that time and under those circumstances to doubt the validity or the truthfulness of this whole operation. We still seek no wider war. No wider war? As I found out day by day in the Pentagon, that was our highest priority, preparing a wider war which we expected to take place immediately after the election. It's a war that I think ought to be fought by the boys of Asia to help protect their own land. And for that reason, uh, I, I haven't uh, chosen to enlarge the war. And that was a conscious lie. We all knew that inside the government, and not one of us told the press or the public or the electorate during that election. It was a well-kept secret by thousands and thousands of people, including me. Yep, <clears throat> including people I know, probably. This was just a bit before I was born, about a month. The USS Maddox, which was uh, on patrol uh, in the region, and they claimed that uh, three North Vietnamese torpedo boats uh, attacked them with torpedoes, machine gun fire, and the whole thing turned out to be, I think there was like one bullet hole (laughs) they found much later, Uh, Mm. and then the National Security Agency, NSA, yes, our friends, uh, they also had fa- uh, false signal intelligence about a second attack in this Gulf of Tonkin. Um, and what it all resulted in was the Gulf of Tonkin resolution. So this was all the fog. Of, by the way, some of you who are old enough to remember the name Robert McNamara, 
Uh, he was the Secretary of Defense. And these are guys that were all related to the Bushes and all the way up the line uh, much later. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and from this came the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, which um, essentially gave the authority to um, attack anything that we didn't like in Southeast Asia that smelled of communism. And that was that was all we needed, you know. It was like the Patriot Act of the day. And, and I, I was going to go there next. Now, hearing this, seeing nine eleven happen, reading about some of the happenings around uh, uh, Pearl Harbor, I think the Lusitania was another kind of maybe false flag. Um, oh, it, the Lusitania, yes, of course. So I'm just saying, like, so. When you come to me and be like, oh, your government would never lie to you. They would never <laughs> well, that's, have people. <laughs> that's where we had common ground from day one, Mo. <laughs> we we both agree on uh, the government uh, lying to us and lizard people. This would be our, our general consensus. But the thing is, it's okay. If you want to lie to me and it doesn't affect me, fine. I mean, I'm just speaking from the normal, just a, uh everyday person. It's like that really doesn't bother. It does affect you, but you don't feel the effect mm-hmm. but when you have a lie and then it <laughs> impacts me directly i'm gonna start looking into things uh i'm sure there was troopers back then that were looking around like hey this guff of talking things kind of kind of stinks and they were called crazy they were called misinformed well con- oh, you're doing your own research they were already called conspiracy theorists at that point this was lyndon b johnson uh, this is right after Kennedy, and it's an established fact that the CIA uh, launched the term conspiracy theory in order to um, thwart any citizen journalism into the JFK killing. So, so this was fresh. This conspiracy theorist thing was just getting just getting started, and you could use right. it to great advantage. And, and like, I said, and and then you wonder why people are hesitant to believe <laughs> yeah. Yeah. anything. I, I like, don't, oh, I, not, me. <laughs> not me, not me. But yeah. This is the question. This is the question I asked myself. If fill in the blank didn't happen, how would life be different? Well, hold on. Let me, let, then, let me back up before you do that. Uh-huh. So I was talking to Dvorak at some point during the show and I can't remember exactly what the topic was, but I said, you know, I did my, I did my typical well, my, my one black friend says, okay, uh, uh-huh. but what he said, and I think you remember this, he said, yeah, but Mo's not like, he's not a regular black guy. Uh-huh. And so, because, you know, you're, you're different, you're conspiracy, you'd look into conspiracies. It's my feeling, having known, you know, we've, we've been t- talking for, what, two years now almost? Uh-huh. Um, it's my feeling that there's a much larger contingent of conspiracy thinking or aware people amongst black americans than than not did you hear the blood in the am say hey, we fight for rockefeller and jp uh kennedy and you know it, it was crazy in 1980 see, christina was born so it was no then it was 90 maybe 91 uh we went to jamaica to uh uh oh, what was that place in, in mo bay and mm-hmm. on the beach was a young guy named david jamaican and he would, you know, that there was barely internet. And so he would bring me the, one of those like uh, photocopied newspaper. Oh, here's the New York Times, like three pages photocopied. So you could re- kind of read the paper. And then the paper would come later. 
And uh, as we were getting to talking, he said, oh, no, I, I read this. I read the paper. This is why I love working the beach. I read the paper every single day. And he worked there for, you know, he was a young guy, already worked there for eight or nine years. And uh, he said, you know, the world is, and I'd never heard this before this time, Mo. I was not into this. I was doing other things. I was MTV guy. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, man, don't you know about the Trilateral Commission and the Bilderberg Group? And I'd never heard of these things before. Oh, yes, is how the world is. And this was a kid on the beach in Jamaica. And I've had to think of David many, many times. I said, oh, my God, you know, there's so many people have their eyes and ears open that we're just not aware and one of the big, biggest vehicles for quote unquote conspiracy theories has been hip hop. Yes. Rizzo from Wu Tang was t- been talking about uh, <laughs> uh, uh, deadly vaccines. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this none of this catches us flat footed, and it's it, it's it, like I said, um, I am not normal. Uh, <laughs> just to say that um, uh, I'm not the normal person for anybody, but. Um, yeah, it's just that it, it, all you have to do is not believe. This goes back to what you're saying. Let me back up a little bit. You just said it yourself. These people, the forty percent, they believe whatever's put in front of them, the news, the headlines. When you stop looking and believing the headlines and just like actually sit back and pay attention to what's going on, what's being said, you be like, oh yeah, that's bullshit. Excuse my language. You know what I'm saying? Like Jesse Smollett. Oh. That's <laughs> a good example. He, he he got attacked by two, three white guys in Chicago in thirty be- degree below weather. Uh, huh? No, but like, I mean, like, remember you, it turned you, out to be black guys. That was even funnier. Yeah, I'm just saying though. But <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just going to tell you how I process that. I saw on the news earlier that morning. <laughs> Here's how you Chicago, process it. Brr, bullshit. <laughs> right. It was like the Chicago, uh, the, the, the so cold that they had to set the rail, uh, the train rails on fire. And I'm like, hold on. He went out for subway in that kind of weather and got attacked in the <laughs> MAGA country. It's like, I, I, I didn't have to, I just put the, put the two and two together. It's like, I, I don't need to read a, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Any reports. That's That's bull crap. Yeah. And Chicago, not so much MAGA country. And I'm just saying, but bruh, I'm, we're not going out for subway if we got to light the rails on fire. That's just that's just not happening. I'm no. calling Uber Eats. No, come on, knock it off. That smells, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, we are cons- cons- conspiratorial by survival. Yes, uh, survivalist. Uh, yes, conspiracy survivalist. survivalist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so with that said, let's go ahead and thank some more producers uh, with new money. Yes, and we'll talk about what new money is. I like brand new money. I just, I don't want any money around me that's not, I'd almost rather have a, a new one than a brand, than an old 20. Now, that's kind of dumb, isn't it? But there's something about new money that excites you. You like $100 bills? Oh, yeah. I like oh. new money, too. Oh, most beautiful thing on earth is a $100 bill. I hadn't seen a woman as good looking as a $100 bill. <laughs> there's something about a $100 bill that excites you. Yeah, wait until you see 100 Satoshis, because we do have new money. It's called Bitcoin, and uh, you can support us. It uh, gives us another lifeline to ensure that we have continuity. Um, Podcasting 2.0, if you get one of the new apps at newpodcastapps.com, we can't be deplatformed from that, but also we have a direct value-for-value money stream uh, that you can determine. It's just like the PayPal or Cash app, except it works with the podcast app in real time, you set the value, etc. It is truly new money, and it will keep us going in case uh, you know 
PayPal or Cash App or anything. Anything is possible. You've seen it. I don't have to convince you. And we want to thank the rest of our producers for episode uh, number 70. We see Joel Tucker coming in with $40. Thank you. Steel Simi. Sime, Sime, I think Sime, S Y M E, 3666. And he's in Steel, Melbourne. Um, or oh, he's in Melbourne, Australia. Thank you very much for all you do, he says. Malandrip, $24. Thank you. Craig Scott gives us $15.45. Thank you, Craig. Maui Goods, um, $15. Uncle Adam and Brother Mo, thank you for the work you do. Stephen Corbett and Charlemagne the God are coming out with a show, not coincidentally. Uh, yes, yeah, Stephen Corbett. Who is Stephen Corbett? Is that Colbert? Maybe. No. Maybe he means... Is Stephen Co- He says I, Corbett. I just, it says Corbett. Does he mean Colbert? It's Co- Wait. I, I don't know. Is Colbert make a better show? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Colbert. Hold on. Colbert and Charlemagne. I got to see if this is true. Are they going to do a show together? Bunch of jack. Oh yeah, you're right. It is. It's Stephen Colbert. Bah. Oh goodness. Okay, that's going to be clip. Prepare to clip. Machine yeah, that's right. For, for, that's going to be the cringiest clip uh, well of all time. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, uh, not coincidentally. I don't know, you know, if they're sincere, if they really are sincere, if they follow the words of, uh, of, uh, of Malcolm X and they really sit down, they really don't hold back, but that's impossible because it's going to be on television. There's no way they can do that. I, I mean, even Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama, Barry O, they couldn't make it happen. It's a failure, that show. This is not easy work. Uh, it, No. Is, Pri- <laughs> is Prince Hall and Black Freemasonry coming soon? Who are the good guys fighting the they, New Order bad guys, in your opinion? Well, I think we've actually addressed this today. We've done a lot of this. You, you, you me, yeah. everybody. Yes, exactly. We're the good guys. Exactly. Thanks, uh, Maui Goods. Chris Bergstrom, Chris Vox, checking in. Uh, five for this week, five for last. Apologies for being tardy. Keep up the great work. Thank you for your courage. $10 total. Thank you, Chris. Uh, love what you do. Thank you, Mo. Says SV with a 10 spot. Andrea, $10. Thank you. Moises Hernandez, 556. Love y'all. Love you too. Uh, David Shalona says AIDS blew my mind. I'm sure he means the uh, the episode. <laughs> or not. It could have blown your mind too. Yeah. Uh, $5. Thank you. Uh, Yarbrough comes in with two $5 donations totaling 10 Thank you. And Terry, the human subscription. Keller, once again, reminding us that we need more subscription options, at least one and all. $4.11. And we thank all of these producers and also our previously mentioned executive and associate executive producers for uh, your support and for truly producing. It is the true meaning of the word of production when it comes to media. And by the way, you're a producer and the credits for the execs and associate uh, uh, associate executive producers, those are real credits. We'll vouch for you. No problem. Go look on IMDb and see if credits for the No Agenda Show and Mo Facts don't show up with some pretty big names to it next to it. I think you'll be surprised. So again, thank you. It's a big turning point. A lot of things happening in uh, in life for the MoFax show. We rely on your support. We count on it. And we thank you for returning the value that goes into this program. So we go from one champ, Muhammad Ali, to another champ, Floyd Mayweather. Kyrie, what's up? I know you're going through a lot. We had a chance to hang out in 2016 when you represented America, when you represented the red, white, and blue. You only want to be treated fair. Um, I was going to post something on one of my social media pages, but I decided to do it the old school way. 
and read it out to you because you're a great person, great father, a uh, great athlete, and you believe what you believe. America is the land of the free, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and supposedly freedom to choose. Never be controlled by money. I respect you for having some integrity and being your own man. A free mind makes his own choices, and a slave mind follows the crowd. Stand for something or fall for anything. One man can lead a revolution to stand up and fight for what's right. One choice, one word, one action can change the world. It's crazy how people hate you for being a leader. I hope your actions encourage many others to stand up and say enough is enough. Respect to you, Kyrie, and power to the people. Yeah, I uh, I played this on No Agenda too. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. There was I heard like zero cancel noise about Floyd Mayweather. No one said anything about this because he got his own money. He's got fu money. I mean, like what I mean, own money. Like he goes fights, gets paid. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no Nike cutting him a check. There's no uh, league cutting him a check. Mm-hmm. He he has direct. You know, gener- uh, uh, revenue generating power, which is what we're trying to do here. <laughs> I mean, right. As far as we don't have to kiss up to networks or whatever else to say, oh, are they going to look over his shoulder? Is the boule phone going to ring? Because mm-hmm. I said this and I said that. Uh, so, yeah, that's why you don't hear anything about him. But he brought up Kyrie Irving and saying if one person stands up, you know, it can it can be a problem for the for the establishment. And this is why. I was watching LeBron so closely mm-hmm. and, me, and I don't think we talked about this, but with LeBron, LeBron wanted to do this so bad, so bad because he's never going to be Michael Jordan. He's never going to be the greatest basketball player ever. He tried to be Muhammad Ali with the, the social justice stances, mm-hmm. but they were very milk toast. Um, if, if he would have took that shot, well, not not to. If you would not have took the shot, uh, uh, and and took the chance of saying, you know what, I'm going to do like Kyrie did and said, no, I'm not going to take it. I don't think it's right to force people to take it. Mm-hmm. You could take it if you want to. He could have easily been Muhammad Ali, easily. So what? What was his problem? He's just pussy, too controlled. Oh man, no. I mean that kind of thing. That that'll get you Arkansas. I mean that. I mean the use of reference that'll get you up out of here. Don't get don't no don't get it twisted. I mean, uh, LeBron got a boule phone too that can be rung, and and we oh, I think it's going right now, <laughs> and, and we saw we saw this kind of thing with when he was doing that. It was uh, LeBron pushes a coach. LeBron does this. LeBron, I I I, I documented. So if you go to the YouTube channel, I did lives and things watching them. Cause I knew it was like that's what took him so long to say he was going to take it. He was trying to see which way the the you know the wind was going to blow, but uh, he had to succumb to the you know the the powers that be. And I'm gonna say this, Kyrie Irving, he's always been the anti-LeBron, mm-hmm. and this is a natural thing for him to do. I mean, he 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 uh marches to a beat of his own drum same thing with uh Aaron Rodgers they're 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 seen as you know like uh thinkers in mm-hmm. a bad way yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, like, <laughs> yeah. you think too much you're doing too much thinking Kyrie and you can hear this in the next clip 
how Joy Reid critiques him oh, yeah, yeah. for his anti-vax stance. The new anti-vax poster child, Brooklyn Nets guard Kyrie Irving, went on Instagram Live on Wednesday to ramble, I mean speak, for uh. the first time since his team told him he was barred from playing until he got the shot. You think I really want to lose money? You think I really want to give up all my dream to go after a championship? In order to be on the team, I have to be vaccinated. I chose to be unvaccinated, and that was my choice. This is not a political thing here. It's not about the NBA. It's not about any organization. It's really about my life and what I'm choosing to do. Irving went on to say more, a lot more, telling fans that he is taking a stance against those who have lost their jobs over vaccine mandates. But then a new development emerged. Irving's anti-vax tirade was somehow compared to, wait for it, oh, just you wait, to the activism of the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali, with Nick's alum Stefan Marbury saying Ali would be proud. Okay, okay, who's triggered right now? Because I am for sure, all the way triggered. Triggered Nick's fan right here. Now, I've probably mentioned this before on this show, but Muhammad Ali is like literally my personal hero, my favorite athlete of all time. I was obsessed with him in boxing growing up, only to become further captivated by who he was outside the ring, an international icon and lifelong fighter for human rights and equality. Which is why I am going to do my very best to purge this comparison from the internets for good. Kyrie Irving is not the modern day Muhammad Ali. (laughs) First of all, she has zero standing to say this. Second of all, we might rival her audience in in numbers in listeners. <laughs> it's, cl- it's close. It's close. I mean, what this is okay. This it was anyone else talking this nonsense or just Joy Reid? No, oh, yeah, it, it, yeah, the, yeah. the whole the whole media, uh, uh, sports media industrial uh, complex. Yeah, I, I don't watch that, of course. But yeah, the, I, oh my goodness. The, the questions were, what is, what is, what, why is he doing this? We made it very clear. He said, I'm doing this for standing up for people just not giving a choice. Um, it's not, it's not about the vaccine. It's not about, you know what I'm saying? No, it's purely about choice for him. Yep. It's, it's the point of people shouldn't lose their jobs because they choose one way or the other. That's the, that's, that's it. And they tried to make him, um, the bad guy. He didn't, Kyrie haven't really said much at all. Uh, and what I'm saying about it is the way he could be the Ali is nothing that Kyrie's doing. Because I don't think Muhammad Ali even publicized what he was doing. It's people uh, gravitated towards him and say, I believe in what you're not doing. Let me support you. You see what I'm saying? That was mm-hmm. the college kids. That was the people in the neighborhood. It's like, man, hey, let's go, Ali. You know what I'm saying? Uh, let's go. So um that that's the thing is uh like I said, it's just funny that she can get up here and like she like you heard her say it's his tirade. Kyrie Kyrie couldn't go on a tirade, no tirade. if he wanted to. <laughs> He's very yeah. calm and like soft spoken. Um but they made him the they made him the bad guy. And it's for a reason. Uh because of some of the stances he had, he's easily to marginalize. And you're going to hear more of that in 37. He is a famous person using his famous person platform to put others at risk of a deadly airborne disease that has wreaked havoc on the human race and disproportionately on people who look like Kyrie Irving. Muhammad Ali, on the other hand, took a political stance as a conscientious objector to the Vietnam War, saying that he refused to go to war and shoot my brother or some darker people or some poor, hungry people in the mud for big, powerful America. 
Ali risked going to prison because of his stance. Prison. Now, here's the other thing. Muhammad Ali supported vaccines, even doing a PS oh. encouraging them for New Yorkers in 1978. The law says if your kids don't have their shots for dangerous diseases like mumps, measles, and polio, they aren't getting into school. The law also says they must go to school. So you have no choice. Get your kids their shots. So no, no, Kyrie Irving is the literal opposite of Muhammad Ali. He is a person who once said the world is flat and who is now being used as a pawn for the alt-right and MAGA army, like Ted Cruz, oh, who's brother. praising him for his incredible courage, but who called Colin Kaepernick a rich, spoiled athlete for taking a knee against police killing people who look like Kyrie Irving. Hey, professional Karen, Laura Ingraham, should Kyrie Irving shut up and dribble or not? Being a contrarian does not make you an intellectual. It does not make you a hero. It most certainly does not make you anything near the greatest. In fact, it makes you and those using you as an anti-vax celebrity pawn the absolute worst. Okay, this is probably the most crazy clip I've heard from Joy Reid. I mean, I've heard a lot. It's, it's, it's a close tie with her and Nikki, but go ahead. This is really, yeah, yeah, but, but I mean, you're, you're bringing in Muhammad Ali, universally loved, black and white and mm-hmm. red and yellow. Worldwide. Yes, very, very, very risky strategy. This Joy Reid needs to be taken to court. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's the thing. Joy is holding, as you made reference to her ratings, and this is where people like her are very dangerous. When they're in, and it's, it's, the, oh, it's the irony and the paradox of it, in hopes to keep her job, this is what she does. Oh, yeah. You, 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 you see it now. <laughs> and the hopes to keep her job that she loves, she's willing to go out and do hit pieces like this. I think that she's so bad that she she probably is all in on this. She and she she may have look. I what I do know about Joy Reid, because I see her almost every day. She's mm-hmm. always changing her look. Yeah. And, but I mean, like, severely. She got the different wig on. She's doing, you know, she, one day she's, uh, she's Caribbean. Next day she's African American. Then she's just African. And then she's something like I don't even recognize, like, like a sponge, like a really mm-hmm. weird, weird vibe she's got going on. And so she has no identity, no identity. So she's an identityless person. And she goes through life, I think, unhappy. She's the female Don Lemon. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And those people are dangerous. When you don't have talent to hold you where you're at. Yeah, I agree with that. Then, then you push agenda. Yeah. And, and and that's the thing about it. And like I said, that's the thing about Kyrie is this. He said, I will, I'm okay. He didn't sign up for this. It's New York that says he can't play. That's not right. the NBA. That's right. Not his employer. Mm-hmm. New York says you can't play. So he said, okay, I just want to play home games. So then the Nets, New, uh, Brooklyn Nets say, well, you know what? If you only want, don't want to play home games, how about you don't play at all? Now, this is the dumbest thing I ever heard because... It, it, Ky- NBA, Kyrie's kind of important to the team, isn't he? 
you would think so. I mean, he's one maybe top 10, 15 basketball players in the NBA right now. Right. Uh, or even higher. I mean, on who it depends on what you value in the list. Um, but the thing was, the NBA was known for sitting players for rest. You play tonight, you don't play tomorrow night. You play tonight, and LeBron is one popularized it. But I mean, uh, who who really ran with it was uh the Spurs. They were known like I mean, the NBA had to even get on them like, hey, we got we got ad dollars here. You can't just sit your players like that. Mm. Um, so this is baked into the NBA of sitting out every other night or what they call they're saying they call it rest or resting your players. So I mean, because you got eighty two games in a in a in an NBA season, they're not important. That mean that like to sit out some, but it's like we're gonna make you choose. Oh, you don't want to play? Okay, we're gonna not let you play at all. So it's the it's the it's the NBA that's ramping this up, and the Nets that's ramping this up, and then they use their propaganda uh, machine to smear him. And it, but it didn't stop there. Uh, well, hold on, hold go. on, hold on. Yeah, I got go, a question. Go, I got a question yeah. when it comes yes. to okay. So resisting, you know, there's going to be the, we are all about resisting this this mandate. When it comes to uh, basketball and football, do you see fans, uh, people who really love the game, such as you do, really like absolutely turning it off and shunning it and and letting that be known that you're just not going to participate in their games, or is it or is the lure still too big? you still got to be a part of it here's the problem and i'm speaking from my personal experience people are not really into sports people are into the communal aspect of sports like i said that did sports keeps me tied in with my 11 other guys in my fantasy league that we have something that we could like you know uh laugh and joke about it's not sitting down and watching the game it's not that's not the point um. So, and then sports gambling is another big thing, <laughs> uh, which why people can't really turn away because it's it's a lot of money being uh passed around. But I'll say this: um, there the the leagues have been very smart in picking their targets because you notice Aaron Rodgers is not the only unvaccinated person in NFL. Right, Kyrie Irving is not the only vac- unvaccinated person. It's let's get these quirky kind of uh, anti-hero kind of people, and we'll beat up on them. Uh, so that that's why you don't see kind of fans walking away from it. Okay, which is weird. I mean, it's, it's once again I'll say this: it's not in the NBA that's causing Kyrie not to play. It's New York. Just putting the pressure on him. Right. Just putting the pressure on the team. The premium team puts the pressure on him. So that that's how it works. But at what so, point uh, does one of these super fans just go go ape shit and go postal themselves? It's it's a possibility. Okay. Um it's a it's a real possibility. But I would think this the jersey sales will tell the tale. Is Kyrie Irving jersey selling more than the average? I got you. Is Aaron Rodgers jersey selling more than average? I mean, mm-hmm. you saw Kyle Kaepernick. He didn't even play play football. <laughs> and he had one of the number one selling jerseys. Right, so right, right. people are going to support. And that's why I said he could easily become Muhammad Ali, not in the stature. And I hope people understand what I'm saying. It's that people weaponize celebrities for their cause. Right, and I think that that is waning. I think the influence of celebrities is completely disappearing. 
Uh, it's disappearing along with the ratings. A lot of them in the lockdowns, and we're seeing them their true selves. Heroes have come out of that. People that we're like, holy crap, this this man or woman is fantastic. But the majority is like, wow, you're a real dick. I always knew it, but now I see it. So it's changing. Yeah, unless it's something political that we like. And that's the thing. That's how we're picking our celebrities now. Like, what side are you on? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. You like, you like, you like that? Okay. I like you. Right. Uh, and then you turn away. Like, look at Nikki. I mean, they had Fox News. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was great. Uh, repping Nikki Minaj. <laughs> so that lets you know it's, it's bigger than yeah. what you bring to the table. It's about what's your message. Um, and that's why Kyrie is very dangerous in this situation because, like I said, Kyrie not may not be a big name at home. He is, but not like to on a LeBron J stature. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about going to China, yeah. basketball is their religion over there. Yeah, yeah. That's why they had to keep you know, saying LeBron on the rap. So this next clip I found very disheartening because Kyrie Irving was attacked. I, I use that word, you know, what I'm saying purposely, but attacked by uh, Rolling Stones and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Rolling Stone magazine and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar sold out. Oh boy. They're flax for the establishment now, fighting to uphold vaccine conscription. Kyrie Irving is Muhammad Ali, a conscientious objector, resisting an unjust culture war. Over the weekend, Rolling Stone published a long-winded hit piece on Irving and other NBA players who are reluctant to take the experimental COVID vaccines. According to Rolling Stone, anti-vax NBA players are standing in the way of the league imposing a vaccine mandate. This is a bad look for a league that prides itself on being left of Karl Marx. Irving is seen as the leader of the anti-vaxxers who are pushing around the NBA, according to the writer Matt Sullivan. The article painted Irving as a nut job. It criticized him for liking posts from an Instagram account that previously posted messages alleging conspiracy theories against black people. The magazine trotted out 74-year-old Abdul-Jabbar, a 1960s radical who supported Ali, to reprise the role of David Susskind, the 1960s television host who shredded Ali for refusing induction into the military. Wow. Saying, quote, this is from Abdul-Jabbar, the NBA should insist that all players and staff are vaccinated or remove them from their team. That's Luau Sellout talking to Rolling Stone. Yo, man, this is going to get some people angry if they keep this up. <laughs> and that's that's why I say he could become you know the 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 target of all this this attacks. Well, yeah. Now, he could become the vic he can become the victim. I mean, in, in a good way. As far as you know, uh where well, they picking on Kyrie, why they picking on Kyrie? All he said was he didn't want to play uh take the jab mm-hmm. and he's doing it to support the worker. I mean, this is the, the, we always talk about the celebrities and athletes standing up for the little guy. Now, like I said, this is Kyrie. He could be doing it for his own reasons. I don't, I'm not that naive, but in this information war that we're in, we'll take every, we'll, we'll take, take anything every, we can get. Yeah. It, th- that's what they don't understand about it. It's like, well, Nikki, we, we rolled her as far as we could. And now we got Kyrie and we're riding him as far as we can. And that's, 
it sounds cold and calculating, but that's how the the information world works. It's like as long as we can work together to our common cause, we will. You tap out, and we saw this, like I said, with Trump. When Trump started saying vaccines, you talk to people to boo, start booing. No, yeah. <laughs> and he hurried up and changed it quick. He's like, well, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's power. That's power. Of other people. That's real power from the, the 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 groups of people. So, and ultimately, people have the power, and the sooner they realize it, the better. That's why they don't want us to wake up, and that's why they attack Kyrie Irving because it's. He can ignite a fire and, you know, even what we're doing here, we're, we're taking on the big guys, uh, and, and we're consuming people, hours of people's listening time. They can't get that back. That's right. <laughs> they can't, you know, that's, that's where our real power is that they're tuning in and they're tuning out or whatever they were used to replace, whatever they replaced this, what, what they listen with here with. So, um, cream out dude, Jabbar. So I don't know if you've ever seen this picture or not. It was called the Civil Rights Summit. And when Ali came out, it was like all the big time black athletes were around him. And they were like, they painted it as, oh, we're here to support Ali. Have you ever seen that picture before? I'm going to go look for it right now. You can say Ali Summit. Uh, But with that said, it was a big PR stunt. And don't take my word for it. Bob Abram, uh, a famed uh, boxer promoter, uh, was telling the story. So you did promote a number of Ali fights and you were 25, 25 of them. Wow. And I read that when Ali refused induction and he took the 43 months and he took, he accepted his ban that you were able to pull a few strings and you got it to where through the Lyndon Johnson administration, if he had done some appearance work well, that, that he could have this, continued to fight. This is a quote. One of my dear, dear friends is Jim Brown. Mm-hmm. And Jim was the guy who introduced me to Ali and got me into the business. So now when Ali takes the position that he's not going to go into the service, I had a partner in my law firm who was the treasurer of the Democratic Party. And we worked out a deal with Lyndon Johnson. Ali, you don't have to put a uniform on, just do some exhibitions at military bases and continue your professional career. So I go to Jim, and this was the time when we were, you know, working hard to get uh, black people into business, particularly athletes, so that the, the idea I had with Jim Brown, we had in those days we had closed circuit exhibitors having regions of the right. country, and it was very lucrative. And football players were making like ten thousand a season. So I said, Jim, get all the athletes together, the black athletes, let them talk to Ali and convince him to take this deal. And I will divide up the country and make these guys my regional exhibitors. Hmm. I, of course, did not know about this. I'm looking at the picture right now. We got uh, mm-hmm. Russell, Ali, uh, Brown, and Abdu- uh, Abdul-Jabbar right in the front. Mm-hmm. So these are the people, like I said, this is people that allegedly supported Ali. Uh, and you heard Ali could have easily took a deal uh, with the government you know what I'm saying, and did the charade of, you know, going around. He didn't have to put the uniform on, just go to some exhibitions. You know, kind of like USO kind of stuff. Yeah, like the Harlem Globetrotters. He, yeah, and he'd have been cool, but yeah. he didn't take didn't the do deal. It. He didn't do it. Yeah, and it's more to the story than you know what uh, this story looks like. Yeah. It, I mean, or this picture. You just look at it, and in the context, it's like 
it looks like Last Supper almost. It, it, it does have that vibe to it. It does, right? sure uh, does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, who's Judas? 40. So Jim got uh, Willie Davis. There weren't that many black guys in the NFL then, but the, the, all of them that were there, the good ones, the, uh, he brought to that meeting. Bill Russell came. Lou Alcindor was... Uh, uh, was yeah, he was a, a college student. He came, and uh, uh, the idea... Bobby Mitchell, I remember. Mm-hmm. The idea was to convince Ali to take the deal. Now, Bill... Russell, when he reported, he reported accurately that that was the purpose of the meeting. And they started talking to Ali, and then Ali got up and talked for two hours and convinced them that what he was doing was correct, not going in and so forth, and they all agreed to back him. Now they tell the story that they all met to talk Ali, to tell him that they... They were supporting, supporting him, yeah. which, which is not, which is like not true. <laughs> anyway, wow. so he he believed so strongly in his anti-Vietnam stance, he didn't even want to appear for the military to continue fighting. Actually, it was a sweetheart deal. It was the it was the best deal that the government could work out to save face. They, everybody right. wanted to save face, and and look at what this guy did. He said no to that deal. It meant that he would be indicted and convicted for draft evasion. So he faced five years in prison. His licenses were taken away. So people say, were you ever worried that he never could fight again? Hell no. I was worried that the guy would go to jail. Wow. I never knew any of this. This is great. (laughs) See how the narrative... And that was that was the, that was actually the Elvis deal, I think, that they offered him, right? Right, right. Yeah. Just just go around, do USO work, you know. Mm-hmm. And we we save face, you save face. Ali said no, and these people try to come in and convince him, and he end up convincing them no. But in hindsight, they tell the story. Oh, we were there to support Ali. Yeah, who though? Who tells the story that way? Uh, everybody but Bill Russell. I was going to say, what, I was going to say, Russell was the guy, right? And even that picture, yeah. Russell looks like this is a bunch. Look at these Jimo. You can tell oh, him he's he's got it in his face, man. He's got it right there. Bill Russell was a very, and very serious man, very serious, living in Boston at the time. But I say all that to say, everybody should be given a choice. Um, I'm making mine. This is where I draw the line in the sand. <laughs> uh. Hopefully it works out. Hopefully the courts work out. But if not, I, 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 I'll, I'll wrap by saying this. I believe in myself, my talents, and my ability in God more than I believe in whatever they can do by taking a job away from me. So, and and as your partner in this venture, I got your back. And I know the producers do too. Mm-hmm. And so, I'll say to them... Everybody has a talent or two or three. Yeah. So put it to use and use it with us. Let's make yes. it happen. All right. Damn, Mo. Uh, 
who knows what will happen in two weeks. We'll have another show. We'll have a lost <laughs> tape now next Wednesday. We'll see what happens. It's exciting. I personally see all things that are taking place right now as a fantastic time to be alive and, uh, and to be a podcaster to help uh, make things better. I, I would totally agree with you. And with that said, as I always say, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. And we return with the Lost Tapes uh, on YouTube. Go to MoFax.com for more on that. That'll be next week. And in two weeks, we'll be back with another MoFax with Adam Curry. I wish I could live Gonna do what they wanna do When they get hot out Hope they make it through summer school Cause it get cold-blooded When no 5 coming And when they come around Don't nobody know nothing It don't feel safe Cold case, love lost Where the shorties got guns Call it the city of God And they ain't taught how to aim Watch a friend get killed Right there in front of your face So how the fuck would you feel And so I pop pain pills Until I feel better And I'm hustling on We got that phone bill And I got me a job But no, it won't cut it So I step on that Work because the dope will All we know is now ladies and skyscrapers Yeah it's concrete where the kids at Let me go speak to them But if you never seen any mountains of the stars How you ever supposed to know That's the thing you should reach for I'm saying though I wish I could live